This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is not panicking, remains calm and has patience. Uh, well, we all turned up to Stamford Bridge on Saturday, hoping to see the first home win of the season, the first home win of a new dawn, a new era. For 45 minutes, it was all going so well, particularly for Tammy Abraham, who had scored his second brace in two games. At least, at last even, we have found a homegrown number nine worthy of the shirt. Sheffield United were lambs for the slaughter, so we thought. Minutes later, the lambs turned into lions, and with Sheffield United pulling a goal back, Chelsea wilted. It was no surprise that they equalised, although Chelsea's defending was again questionable. It has to be said that Frank's substitutions were also questionable. He seemed to go like for like to go for the killer goal and perhaps to shore up the win, but were Gilmore for Kovacic and Batshuayi for Abraham a better bet than, say, Giroud, who might have at least held the ball up and given our midfield and shaky defence some respite? In truth, it only revealed what we already knew. There is a lack of leadership and experience on the pitch and experience off it. The bench is sparse due to the transfer ban and a raft of injuries this season, which, as a result, will be a case of two steps forward and two steps back. Tactically, it seems that Chelsea want to get on the front foot, but look vulnerable on the back foot. Let's hope they soon learn to get on the good foot. The Chelsea fancast number 470, front foot, back foot, get on the good foot, said in my best James Brown voice, which you didn't hear for legal reasons. Okay, it was only, I can do a great James Brown, but only for legal reasons am I prevented from uh, from allowing you to hear it. Uh, so there Who you go. Who will sue you? Who will sue you, Chidge? Well, uh, the, the estate of the Godfather. Uh, of course, Godfather of Soul. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I feel good. Get down! Ow. Get down! Ow! 
There you go. Is that all right? Get on the good foot. Very good. Very good. Uh, it's too much fun. I mean, this is, you know, we shouldn't. We should, we should, I think we should basically like, just sit here funereally for the next two hours because apparently the world is about to end. Uh, Chelsea's hegemony is coming to an end. Uh, you know, I, I won't be able to wank to a computer and get excited about Chelsea ever again. My life has come to an end. If you read social media, uh, and luckily I use it rather than abuse it. Uh, now, people who I would never use or abuse, the two top people on that list would be the people on the show with me tonight. And they are, of course, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be on, and especially with Clayton. Indeed. With I enjoy talking frequently on uh, Love Sport. Yes, yes. I, yeah, it's, it's, it, I, I was saying this the other week, actually, Clayton, that it's mm. kind of, because I've kind of done, you, you've all noticed, and you, you're all kind of party to this, you know, it's not, not this is not like a Boris, uh, a Boris, a Boris Johnson, <laughs> it's not, it's not like a Boris. A Boris bike. A Boris yes. bike, no, it's not like a Boris bike, it's not like a Boris uh, Johnson government where uh, only I make the decisions, this is, it is, a, you know, we have collective responsibility, so you are party to this, but we kind of decided that actually we, we have three on the Monday show now, so that you don't get overloaded because we've got two shows a week and it's all a bit much blah 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 but the result of that is it feels like i haven't spoken to you for like ever i mean it's ridiculous i said the same to alex last week it's bizarre yeah well I, if it wasn't for the fact that we bumped into each yes. other uh, leaving the ground on uh, saturday uh, we haven't unfortunately we didn't normally we didn't have our, our normal link up at, uh, at lords during the summer so it has been a long time and for all sorts of reasons, which are much too dull to mention, um, I haven't. Uh, that Saturday was my first taste of uh, Premier League football so far. So um, yeah, no, it's 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 really good to be on. I'm very excited because I got lots to say. Lovely, uh, Clayton. Uh, to, to extend the cricketing metaphor, is probably coming off from a long run tonight, as ever. Now on the show tonight. We will discuss the positives of Chelsea getting on the front foot with Tammy Abraham impressing up front and uh, Ficayo Tomori at the back, who I, I thought was very good. Anyway, in part two, uh, we look at Chelsea's vulnerabilities uh, when on the back foot, switching off again. Uh, we ask, is Aspie on the decline? I'm sure we've already asked that this season, but we're going to ask it again. Uh, should we be worried about Barkley? Uh, I sent a text to Jonathan about 15 minutes into the game. He didn't reply, actually, but uh, it addressed that very issue. Uh, Sorry did, about that. No, didn't that's all right. Was that, was that because his butler had his phone? I think maybe. <laughs> maybe. I was actually agreeing. We'll get into his this in a minute. He was polishing his phone. He was. Uh, well, we'll get into it in a minute rather than doing it now. But uh, did the subs reveal Frank's lack of managerial experience? And why are, or why there are, in fact, promising signs that Chelsea will eventually get on the good foot? Not least with some talented youngsters at last getting a chance. Uh, in part three, we look at the Champions League draw uh, and the group that we found ourselves in. And we ask, who are the main threats? Can we get out of the group? And what could constitute or what would constitute success in the Champions League this season? And uh, in part four, we've got some absolutely rip-snorting emails again this week. Some absolute crackers from Alex Woodhams on the captaincy. Bryce Winchester uh, in fact, Bryce, you know, he loves this show so much, he's changed his name to Winchester just to put a smile on my face. And he tells us all about supporting Chelsea from Australia. Lloyd Torrey got a brilliant email on VAR, taking a slightly different view from us from last week. And Jack Vassal, uh, who's also from the States, and he, he wants to know where to go on a match day. Right now, Jack, anywhere but Stamford Bridge. No, just joking, kids. Uh, and uh, Greg Donay uh, checking in from Oz. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday evening, apart from when we're on a Tuesday uh, at 7 o'clock of the hour. And you just have to go to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash 
Hi, uh, Chelsea hyphen fancast, where of course you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many of you do. Where are you tonight? You're a bit late in arriving. I mean, the people who are already in here, much love and respect due to you. Big up the Chelsea fancast, Mixler Posse in it. Uh, I love you lot like brothers and sisters, but uh, um, you're a bit, you know, there's not as many of you in there as there normally is. I don't know why this is. I got the plug out in time and everything, but there you go. Anyway, we've got Nobby Steelers, Albert II. That's a great name. I like that. Bob Oosray, the lovely Bob Oosray. One day my life will be complete and I will get to meet Bob whether it's at Stamford Bridge or in California, I promise. Kurt, Jack CFC, 1996. Arith Muggle, Loco Coco Pops, great name. Uh, Vinod is in, lovely Vinod. Vinod, Vinod. Vinod and I had a bit of a rant, didn't we, on direct message this week, which we, we agree with. Drink Vodka, Freddy's in the house. Excellent, there you go. Uh, loads more of you. Ashley Brain. Uh, Rob Thompson's in there, brilliant stuff. There you go. Maybe that's last week. I'm, I've gone down to last week, which just kind of shows how little you've been posting. But you'll get on it, I know you will. Dean Mears! Was in here, now he's gone. Off for dinner, see you in a bit. Thank you, Dean. You're such a loyal supporter, but there you go. Right, uh, don't forget, of course, you can always tweet us at Chelsea Fancast anytime you like, and uh, we, you may even get a reply. It has happened. Strange things have happened. Uh, and after this very short break, more strange things will happen. Right. Uh, first up, boys, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've kind of, if you've read the script, which of course I don't expect you to have done, but if you have, I have broken it up: front foot, back foot, good foot. Uh, and I'm talking about the front foot first. We've got to talk about uh, Tammy again, who I thought was great. Um, I just got a couple of stats, which I'm going to, you know, share with you and the listeners, which piqued my uh, my curiosity. Tammy Abraham is the first Englishman to score at least two goals in consecutive Premier League appearances for Chelsea since Frank Lampard in January 2010. And each of Chelsea's last five Premier League goals have been scored by English players. Abraham has scored three, Mount scored two. The first time this has happened for the Blues, excluding own goals, since October 2011, when we had seven, with Sturridge on three, Lampard on three, and Terry. Um, clearly, Chelsea have gone all Brexit, that's all I can say. But uh, most important point of all, Jonathan, um, have we found a decent striker who is homegrown at last? Well, he's a very different striker from, to what we're used, isn't he? He's uh, um, he, he's not somebody. Uh, he's not belligerent. It was very interesting seeing uh, what was his name, McBurdy. What was their centre forward? Mc McBurney. Ollie McBurney. Yeah, McBurney. Yeah, the guy he yeah, got from uh, Swansea. From Swansea for about sixteen million. Who um, seems to be the complete opposite of Tammy in that uh, he had no skill at all and appeared to just want to keep put something on everybody and just kept running around kicking people. And then finally, after clashing with Emerson on four occasions, which um, the referee stepped in and then eventually got booked, he was then taken off because there's very little skill there. And it was interesting seeing somebody um, playing for a Premier League team who's just a kind of focal point who puts it about. And you compare it with Tammy, who is very skillful and clearly very keen to learn and... Uh, I think potentially could be absolutely fantastic. 
um, but very different from the kind of striker that we that we we've been used to. Really, I suppose it is Morata esque. One would hope in the, when Morata first came, but um, uh, and very different from Giroud, and very different from Batshuayi, um, and. Uh, uh, his ability to to get in on mistakes and just put him get get himself around the box and just look as if he's 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 looking for the ball he's making excellent runs is um is really praiseworthy and I I know I wish him so well and the fact he scored four goals is great the dilemma is of course is that um apparently he's only supposed to score against championship teams and in actual fact that's all he's done because both Norwich and Sheffield United were both in the in the uh, championship last year so um. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. He obviously fits. He fits Frank's way of playing better than anybody else, um, uh, and, and I think he just has to be a tad stronger. Um, but otherwise, um, I, I know I'm, I'm at the moment for me. He's one of the. He's one of the bright sparks. He's one yeah. of the very positive Promise, things. Promising start, really, JK. Very, isn't very, it? Yeah, very and it's all. It's yeah. good to see. Clayton, I tell you what struck me. Uh, you know, yesterday watching the game. He's quite a unit, isn't he, actually? I mean, he's a bit wiry, but he's a big lad, isn't he? Yeah, it was quite funny, actually, because I... I mean, it is funny insofar as you look at his stature, and that's not the normal stature of a poacher. No. A poacher is normally a little furker. Um, doesn't, doesn't he manage Norwich, mate, little furker? <laughs> uh, little furker. Little furker. Little furker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> And and I just thought it, I thought it was great. We had somebody who could sniff out the goals, and somebody, and and the second goal, which he created by being a nuisance. Yes, it was a mistake, but he created it um, by getting himself in there. And 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 after he scored that goal, I just basically thought back to the halcyon days of Morata. And if Morata would have challenged those two centre halves, he would have, have been on his over, ass yeah. complaining to the referee. And and what a refreshing change! And and yeah, I mean, Jonathan makes a good point, and I think is a a point which is quite interesting. That yes, he has scored two goals um, against two previously championship sides, but but what a a great way to get up and running because mm. now he'll have the confidence to think, well, I can score in the Premier League. And I I just I just think he's he he looks he looks the business and he does. as you say that that was a tremendous save that was down our end wasn't it the, yeah, I yeah. Mean, that that was yeah. about the only good move in the second half and it was real shame we didn't score it was wonderful football leading up to that and and Tammy hit it perfectly yeah. so um, yeah good save yeah yeah I mean so. I think I think the thing that intrigues me uh, J K is that. You know, I, I've been reading up, I'm sure you have as well, but, you know, I mean, this applies to Mason Mount too, but these two lads are, are basically, you know, the last to leave the training ground. They're, they're, Frank's kind of been with them and, and coaching them more. He's delighted that they want to stick around and learn more. They, there's a real hunger. I mean, we'll talk about this a little bit later in more depth, but, the, the, you know, the fact is that the point I wanted to make was that all of his goals for Villa last season, I think he scored 25, but they were all inside the box, but he's already scored two now outside the box and apparently Lamps has been encouraging him to shoot far more and from you know pretty much any distance which is really encouraging to see I like that well I think it, it, it 
he's almost telling him to be a bit more selfish. Yeah. But that's his role, you know, get in there. And, and when you see the uh, same with Mount, when you see the goal, have a stab. You know, Mount seems to have, have exactly have the kind of Harry Kane thing of 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 shooting off balance, which is um, something that Frank did as well. So it's, you know, you're, you're in the position. Just have a have a, have a dip, have yeah. a dip, you know. You know, I, 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 I'm I'm. I'm impressed by both of them. I think both of them are really. Um, I think we're seeing the beginning of uh, of um, of, uh, of a big um, tradition, legacy. What's the word? Uh, um, uh, dynasty. That's the word. Oh, I like um, that. I like that. A yeah. Dynasty. I like that a, a lot. Yeah. Well, I have to say, and also, I would hope that ultimately, with Gilmore, who the the affection that he got for going on in the yeah. second half, Super. from Bakshwai was absolutely superb so yeah. clearly they think he's a he's a terrific um prospect in the same way i was intrigued that frank actually mentioned just i'm talking about going off piece a bit here but um mentioned the, the reason tomori got in was that because he'd impressed in training yeah and uh, and that's always been been uh, been my knowledge of of what goes on if you do well in training and i, I look to be the real deal you're going to get in the side unlike when we spoke to terry's uh, to terry to kerry and kerry said well some players would come along and not bother because they knew they'd be in the side anyway well clearly that doesn't doesn't happen anymore and and I'm, 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 I'm pleased for that so the fact that they're putting in so much hard work and the fact that clearly gilmore has impressed as well otherwise he wouldn't have been in any position to get on uh, yeah. at all in the second half but we can talk about that later but well, no, it's good I'm, it's I'm, encouraging I'm, isn't it you know it's oh, great really, stuff I'm, really I'm, encouraging I'm, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Tamori because he's second on the list and uh I mean my first thought actually uh Clayton was that it was a really shrewd uh selection uh I, I don't know if there was anything you know if, if Christian Shim was carrying a knock or anything but I thought that was quite smart of Frank and Jody to put Tamori in on his debut at home where he was always going to get a good reception, and secondly against Sheffield United, who who he would have played already. He played them last season, so better to start off against them than to say start off against Liverpool, which would have been a tough ask. But I thought he was wonderful. I, he didn't really put a foot wrong. Really assured, very confident on the ball, um, mate. I'm I, I I mean I I did see him play for Derby a few seasons, not least when of course they came and played us in the Caribou Cup, and he scored a wonderful own goal. And he looked like the reincarnation of Frank Sinclair. But, you know, <laughs> mate, I'm, I I really like the look of this kid. I think he could be the partner for bloody Rudiger, mate, honestly, at this rate. Or am I just I, getting a bit excited? Absolutely not. I mean, basically, yes, I know it was, quotes only Sheffield United. And I think you're 100% right. I think it was a very, very shrewd move by, uh, by the management team to put him in against a side that he would have played before and would have been comfortable with. Um, and when I left the ground, I just basically thought, well, Zuma's going to have a, a lot of splinters in his ass because he's not going to get much game time. Uh, not because of how he played, but I just thought Tamori was a diff different class, to be perfectly honest. Again, you talk about um, Tammy being a big unit. This boy's huge. Yeah. Um, and he looked very confident on the ball and he just looked completely unfazed, which I have to say... Just going back over the last couple of seasons, if you think of anybody that's come in from the youth team, I've not seen one of these kids look phased in any way, shape or form. Well, I, I, you know what? I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I would disagree but with that. To a, yeah, yeah. No, I would disagree with that because actually the, the, the point I was making on, uh, I don't know, to whoever I was talking to, <laughs> who I could clearly bloke, can't the, remember. The yeah, the random... Oh, we might, we, yeah, can, I'll tell you what, I, I promise to remember my point, but we must share this with the listeners. I bumped into Clayton on the way out of uh, Gate 17 
uh, having been waving to him, you know, throughout the game as I do. And I bumped into him, which is lovely because I haven't seen him for ages. And we were starting to get into this chat and then some weird little short bloke kind of turned. I mean, he's probably, he's probably a listener, so I better not be rude. But this this lovely, lovely bloke kind of gate crashed our conversation, didn't he, Clayton? He did. And when we spoke this evening, I said, who was he? And you said, I don't know. I thought he was a friend of yours. I said, <laughs> no, I both... thought he was a friend of yours. <laughs> we um, both thought we knew but, him but, and neither okay, of us so, did. So you don't, you don't agree. I, I... No, I'll tell, I'll tell you why I don't agree. Because yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you know, that basically Loftus-Cheek, looked out of his depth when he was playing for us when he started. Even Hudson-Odoi, first he gave, looked a little bit out of his depth. Everybody who has come in, I think, to date, has looked out of their depth, apart from Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, and now Tamori. And I wonder if the... Go on. All right, but perhaps that's not what I was... That's not what I was referring to. I'm not... so, So I didn't phrase myself correctly. What I mean is that when these guys come in... They're really comfortable on the ball. Yeah, I'm not saying that they all perform to the highest right. level. Fair point. They Fair don't. point. But Fair point. when these guys come on, they—I mean, obviously they're professional footballers, but not all professional footballers can trap the ball. But you know, when they come on, they look like they can play football. Mm-hmm. But they're all skillful and whatever. I mean, the, the one thing that we shouldn't remember when we're talking about Tamori. Is that uh, you know everybody this season's been going mad about Mason Mount and quite rightly so. But who was Derby's player of the year last year? It wasn't Tamori. Mason Mount. Yeah. It was Tamori. Yeah, very good point. Listen, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Harry Kane a minute ago, J.K. Because I, I, I caught. Well, sorry, about... I just fell over. <laughs> no, you were you were pushed over, mate. Everybody could see oh, yeah. it. It was yeah. clear and obvious that you were pushed. Um, but uh, I, I caught a bit of Sunday supplement this morning, uh, and they had the wonderful Martin Samuel on there, and he made a really really good point about the fact that a lot of uh, strikers who have gone out on loan quite often get pushed wide uh, and they don't learn the game and they need to. Whereas, uh, you know, Abraham, wherever he's gone on loan, has played striker. But I'm also thinking, you know, I'm thinking, you know, this is a kid who had a really successful season at Villa. He played very, very well. And Villa are a big club. Whichever way you want to swing it, they're a big club. He, he, he did all right at Swansea in a really difficult, struggling club. Um, and he did all right at Bristol City, where he kind of like you know found out that he could actually play against men, which is important at that age. And I'm just thinking, you know, Harry Kane went out on loan. I forget where now, but he went out on Millwall. loan. Millwall. He went on loan. He got into the side, and he has not looked back. And he's now supposed to be one of the best strikers in the world. It, it, these things do happen. This is not inconceivable. And I know we're in a very weird place uh, this year because we've been forced into it. But the number of times we've we've said on this show, yes, they are not the panacea. They may not be the answer to everything. They are learning the game. They will make mistakes. But if you don't play them, you don't know how good they can be. And I think the fact that they're getting a chance this year, we could really reap the dividends of this, JK. Well, I also think that, that it's the players who've, weirdly, have come into play who haven't been out on loan, who I think have struggled a bit. And I think you were right about Odoi when he came in. He didn't, everybody was was convinced he was going to be wonderful from the beginning, but he was a bit pedestrian and passed the ball back a lot rather he than take, nervous. Take, he did, absolutely. And I think, I, I don't think it's a, um, it's not a coincidence that, that Cheek blossomed after he'd been to Palace. Yeah. And uh, and because a Palace fan at, at Chelsea where I sit came in and said, I don't know why you've given us Cheek for the season. He's fabulous. And, and I think it is the going out on loan that does, it makes or breaks them. 
And in this instance, uh, I think Adoy, because he had the opportunity last year, he may be the exception to the rule. But I think we'll do, I think Cheek will be uh, once he's back. I mean, the, the dilemma we've got with with, with Loftus Cheek is we is uh, he's almost getting better by not playing because yeah. we keep people keep quoting him. You know, when we have our five players back, we'll be great. And you go, well, hang on, he might not get in. He might not convince on the on the training ground. And both he and Adoy have had really awful injuries. So um, yeah, you know, it's going to take some take some time to get back, but um, but I, I, I'm uh, I'm convinced that um, uh, it, it is. It, 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 and I'm also going to say that some people don't make it. Some people go out and loan like um, uh, the the Leeds uh, um, centre forward at the moment, Bamford. Which is Bamford, who is it has. I, I'm I'm intrigued by him because he runs like Kerry Dixon. I've always said this. I'm com- I keep thinking surely he'll deliver because he. He, he has that kind of upright, uh, uh, um, upright look about him. Um, but he, he scored a very good goal last week, and you thought, yeah, that's that's more like it. But he's very inconsistent, and clearly not the not the great player we thought he would be. But as you were saying, Chidge, perhaps he wasn't given the opportunity to play at these when he was on loan, or perhaps he paid too wide. I remember uh, he didn't get into. Remember, he went to Norwich, he didn't get into the side at all. Was it that he wasn't very good, or was it that he couldn't deliver given the positions he was in? It's a very delicate balance yeah. for all players, but and um, which I think Tony Morris. But, yeah. but there's there's one thing, and I, I, this may be completely off the wall and and um, and really sort of um, inappropriate, and I don't mean it to be. But I believe that Patrick Bamford comes from quite a, a, a good background. He plays um, the piano. He's, he's very cello. I think he's very. No, I well. thought it was piano, mate. Okay, well, I, I bow to you. You say cello, I say piano. Let's call the whole thing. Um, is he very posh, Clayton? Yes. That what That's what I'm trying to say, and perhaps the hunger. Clayton, Clayton, there. Clayton. It, what yeah. you're, is what you're saying is that if he was a season ticker, ticket holder at Stamford Bridge, he would probably be more likely sitting with Jonathan than he would be with you and I. <laughs> it, I it's around about that region, yes. yes. But, but the, the point is that with Patrick Bamford... <laughs> is that there's obviously something missing there because he scored a lot of goals and he d- he had that brilliant season at Borough yeah. where he was our yeah. championship player of the year. Yeah, he was, and yeah. Like you said, he went to Norwich and couldn't really get in. But now he seems to be settled at Leeds and he's scoring consistently. So you just never know. He he could be somebody who does score. I, I don't know how old he is now. He must be mid-20s or yeah. what have you. Um, but yeah, it's like Chidge said and, and I think like we've consistently said... If you don't try them, you're never ever going to. You're know. never going to know, are you? Well, on that point, we're going to we'll we'll pick this up again actually because there's a few more things I want to mention on that. But uh, uh, before we do, uh, we're going to look at uh, Chelsea's vulnerabilities in part two uh, when they're on the back foot uh, because there was, as Frank said, switching off again. Not the first time this has happened. And actually, not the first time it's happened in the last four years, I would say. And we're going to ask: Is Aspie on the decline again? Not that he's on the decline again, but we're going to ask it again. Uh, should we be worried about Barkley? Uh, this is a conversation Jonathan and I have been having off-air for quite a while. And uh, did the subs that Frank made reveal his lack of managerial experience? And uh, also we're going to look at some more promising signs that Chelsea will eventually get on the good foot and talk more about the youngsters getting a chance. All of this in part two. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. The only place for Chelsea fans. 
footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. Uh, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. This, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast, and I've got brilliant, brilliant uh, Jonathan Kidd and Clayton Beerman on the show tonight. Woo! 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 Hello, hello, Woo! hello, hello. Yeah. It's so, I, I, this is the other thing, Clayton, about you know spreading the love around on the Fancast and having you on not as regularly as I used to. Um, but uh, I, I just get so excited when you're all on now. You know, it's like when's Clayton coming on? When's Clayton coming on? You know, and you're on. It's brilliant. It'll be like that when whoever's on. Dan, we got Dan Selves on next next week. I have, it feels like I haven't spoken to Dan for most. Brilliant. I'm actually loving it. I I hope you are too, and that you're not kind of feeling a bit deprived that you're not getting on as much as you used to. I have to ask the question. I I, sus- I suspect the quality is better because I'm not on as much. I suspect I'm, I'm saving up all the goodness. Yeah. You know, for the rare times that I'm now appearing. Well, there we go. And you're not like that. You're not like you're not like Joe Tweedy who tarts himself out to everybody. You know, when he's not on here. You I, I used to be, but obviously nobody likes me anymore. Ooh, so, uh... Well, I mean, I, just to give you a, a, a sorry, this is kind of like ridiculously we're doing it as we always do. We're having a private conversation on a public bloody show. But there you go. Um, I, I, I had a chat with the London is Blue Boys. They they were asking me on, and and, and I said, well, you have, you know, I'm a busy boy, so you give me some. I haven't got back to me, so I'm, I think I might have done something to upset them. What do you think? I like that though. If you say you're busy, it's good. It's but I it's am true. busy. It's true. No, I, I mean. am very busy. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm saying it's true, but I still like it though because it's you know it's it's playing hard to get. Which Mate, is- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a leaf out of your book next time. I'm going to say, speak to my agent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if only I had one. If or I had one. Butler. Or my butler, yes. Speak to my agent through my butler. That's the way yeah. to do it. Anyway, I should shut up. We should talk more about the football. Um, it was not all beer and skittles, wine and roses on Saturday. In fact, uh, you know, let's be honest. Uh, it was pretty. It was a. It was a bit of a bummer, conceding two goals to Sheffield United. They've only come up this season and going home feeling somewhat frustrated. Uh, I think that there are, there are plausible and serious reasons for this. The first of them, I thought that Frank. I thought, you know, again, and I don't mean to sound like I'm in love with Frank, but frankly, I am in love with Frank. Um, but I think he handles the presses really, really well. He's incredibly honest, bless him. And this is what he had to say about us switching off. It's it's not defence, it's conceding as a team. The lack of concentration, we switch off in a game which we should be comfortably seeing out at 2-0. Um, I cannot argue with that at all. And let's be honest, uh, Clayton, We've seen this before. This is not a. This is not down to this season. I don't think this is down to, you know, having youngsters in the team. We've been seeing them do this for ages. What is going on? It's very. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, because th- this is definitely a pattern. I don't know whether it was a bit of complacency on Saturday, um, two nil up, and which I didn't actually think we deserved to be two nil up. To be fair. Um, at half time and we came out and we were half asleep and then there's definitely I think it I think it's a lot to do with this being a young team because the you know the pattern of the second half was virtually the same as the Leicester game Um, insofar as the minute that the opposition scored one we just didn't know what to do and it all it, it to me it boils down to leadership but there's nobody taking the, you know, the team by the scruff of the neck and just saying, look, yeah. you know, let's pass it around for five, ten minutes. Let's sort of get back into our rhythm. Let's not worry. OK, it was a bad goal to concede, but let, let's let's just, you know, calm down and get on with it. Um, and you didn't see anybody do that. And and you've got new players. Uh, you have Pulisic, who looks lost. 
in my opinion. I thought he had a, a very subdued game um, on Saturday. Um, and then you've got kids and, and they and they don't know what to do. They they need somebody to tell them. And the most experienced player out there was Asby and Asby was having a, a an unfortunately poor game. Um, and you have to think, you know, everybody talks about his captaincy. Well, I, I, I think you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I don't know what influence he has in the dressing room, etc. He's got to be captain for a reason. Um, he's been captain under three different managers. So... Um, Anyway, that that's by the by. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it is worrying, and it, it's something. But but to me, um, the reason why this is happening is because we don't kill games off, and I think that happened in the Leicester game, um, and to a certain extent, we didn't kill the game off against Man United because we lost four nil, but we could have been two nil up. Um, and I think everything's indicative. I think it's not just one thing. I think there are lots of different reasons as to why it's happening. I think, you know, Vinod, sorry, Jonathan, just to butt in, because Vinod's put a really good uh, point in here, which I think speaks of the issues in defence, which I've been noticing as well. And it's a shame that I'm asking you because it's really Clayton's turf. But uh, Vinod says... I know exactly yeah, what you're going to say. Then again, then again, very few goalies command their box these days. But basically... I, I was thinking this during the game, actually, chaps. I was thinking, I don't think Kepa's a very demonstrative keeper. He's not. Uh, he doesn't shout at his defence a lot. And I wonder if, Jonathan, you think that makes a difference? Yeah, I th- I th- it's very relevant. Ron, who I sit next to, doesn't rate him. He just keeps saying, look, he's still on his line. Look, he's not come out and, 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 and dominated the area. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I bow down to other people who would know more, Clayton, about, uh, obviously, about goalies. Can I just say, before we get into that, one of the reasons, of course, that, that uh, Aspie was shown up in the second half was because they avoided Emerson completely and all went down the left side because they could see that that was mo- the more likely position they were going to score from because of his, his just being off the pace. And Emerson appears to have come up leaps and bounds, actually, and his, uh, his ratio of uh, tackles and passes is... is Excellent. So consequently, that is the area that oppositions are trying to to get at. All the goals were scored. Both goals were scored down the left hand side. And uh, and the other thing, just to, to point out, I think one of the reasons that we appear to to fade is because the opposition up their game. They actually go for it after the second half. In each instance, both Leicester and uh, Sheffield United manically attacked us they they the energy required and i think if we'd held out i think they would have faded away the fact that they scored just gave them the enthusiasm and we wilted even further and i think it's a it's a dynamic thing as well as being a thing about concentration i think just as the opposition go up a notch because it's exactly what leicester did and it's exactly what sheffield did so but um replying to you again about kepa um uh i i think it i think he it's a bit more complicated than that i think if uh if the centre-halves and the defence were slightly more on the ball, we wouldn't be finding fault with him, I think. Though, I think his lack of, his lack of dominance of the box is, uh, is significant, I think. What do you think of that, Clayton? What do you think of his um, involvement? Yeah, I, I think there's two things, really. And you, you'll not be surprised to note that I'm going to defend him. Um, the, the first thing is that I actually think that um, people forget how young he is. And the fact that last season was his first season overseas um, and he did remarkably well. Um, This season, 
the defence is an absolute shambles. And I think any goalkeeper would struggle to um, to, to, to impose his, his authority. I mean, he is still quite young. Um, yeah, I, I don't... Listen, he's not blameless. Um, I think he's not the biggest keeper, which, which means that there is no physical presence. Um, I... You know, he's he started off the season. He's not been tremendous. I mean, he was certainly at fault with the the second goal at Norwich, um, not entirely, but you would you would have hoped that he could he would have stopped that. Um, so I just I just think that there is a, a lack of organisation. I think it's sort of fairly symptomatic. And I, I the, the last thing in the world I want to do is get on Frank's case because I just this this is just factual. I don't think the defending Derby's defending last year was particularly good either. So, you know, you've got two midfield players on the management team and you haven't really got anybody with a defensive background and maybe they do need somebody with a defensive background to but that you to know that of... that's an interesting point Clayton because I mean my my issue with the defending is that, you know, I was always taught that you defend as a team and I think yep. yes, okay. I can see that Aspie I think the way I described it the other day was I can see that he's on the, the the wrong side of the bell curve, if you see what I mean, as you would expect. You know, he, he he's getting on a bit and maybe we've seen the best of him. But I don't think he's the only person that's culpable. I think also, you know, defenders like anybody in the team are human and humans make mistakes and we are getting very clinically punished for those mistakes. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I totally agree with the lack of leadership point that you both make, and I think that that's a very big issue. And I do wonder if Kepa's as demonstrative as it is, as as we have, you know, we've had keepers who have been far more demonstrative. Czech, obviously, being the classic example. But I actually really do think this whole idea about defending as a team is the key. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen so far this season, and this could be down to the tactics, i.e., the management or it could be down to the players that they've got, or it could be a combination of the two. But there's a massive gap, a lot, between defence and midfield, and teams are good enough at the Premier League level to exploit that. So, you know, frankly, if Jody and uh, and, and Frank, as midfield players in the past, they should know that, and they should be getting their bloody midfield to put in a shift and help the defence out. You know, you could argue, for example, for... I think the first goal where Aspie was exposed and didn't get a tackle in to stop the cross, where was Pulisic? You know, where was Jorginho or, or, or Kovacic to cover? You know, so it's a team thing. And I think if they're going to address this, and I think Frank says this beautifully, actually, again, being very honest, he says we're in a moment now where we obviously need to stop conceding so many goals. He's absolutely right. But they need to address that as a team. I don't think it's down to any one individual. Can I? Yeah, I... I 100% agree with that. And, and I'll tell you, I know that, um, I mean, the first goal was just, it just happened. Nobody seemed to be awake after half time, which is inexcusable, but it happened. The second goal was, it's so, you are so spot on. It was, the team were culpable. Yeah. I remember at the time, their left back had the ball. He had so much time and so much space. He had, nobody was closing him down. You know, this was what, a minute before 90? And nobody was closing him down. So he was allowed to do what he wanted to do. I mean, Asby's defending on, on the second goal was was criminal. You know, he, he's he's so experienced and he should have shown him outside and he let him come inside. 
But this goes on to a point that I rose yesterday on Twitter, which I, I think um, is something which is quite important. One of the things that Asby could have done was actually fouled the guy. Now, I watched all of the London derby. Yesterday. You're a man after my own heart, Clayton. No, but it's true. I watched I watched the whole of the London derby yesterday, North London derby. Yeah, me too. And I watched half of Everton Wolves. And I just thought, I mean, Wolves, foul, 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 foul. Spurs, foul, foul, foul. Arsenal, foul, foul, foul. We, I can't remember the last time we had a player sent off. We are, I think Martin Wickham, God bless him, sent me a tweet yesterday, which I will find, that says something about the lack of people that we had booked. We are not cynical enough. Or too nice. And, yeah, we're too nice. And I'm not joking. In the build-up to Sheffield United, when they basically got a spurt on, nobody takes them down. Where's Doug Rugby when you need him? Well, where's anybody when you need them? We are we are not dirty enough. We're not cynical enough. Um and I think I think that is something which is, you know, as you say, there's so many reasons why we let in goals. But that is another reason is that mm, we don't break point. the play up as much as other teams do. Good point. JK, what do you say to that? Yeah, I would agree completely. Yeah, if, 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 just in my head, I was going through the, the, the team members and thinking, you know, Jorginho, Jorginho can do it. He can be a bit nasty with it, but uh, Jorginho he's not... was booked in our first three games. Saturday was the only game he didn't get booked, and I think yes. that's basically because he's slow. In terms, <laughs> in terms, of, in terms you know, of getting I think, tackles, I think his fouling is down to being slow rather than cynical. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know actually. To be fair to Jorginho, uh, who, who let's be let's be very fair to him because he he's was one of our better players on in, Saturday. Indeed, and he's been great so far this season. And the fans are really taken to him, which I'm really delighted with actually, because it shows what we're really all about. Um, and I like him. He's putting in a hundred percent. You know, I've always said, and um, you know, you, we, all three of us have watched. I mean, <laughs> funnily enough, I mean, I interviewed Johnny Bumstead on on Saturday, and and, oh, that, God, I, yeah. oh. and, and this guy played for Chelsea from nineteen seventy eight to to nineteen ninety. Like, I couldn't think of many players, if any, who have seen more ups and downs as a club playing for the club than than him. And I said this to him. I said, look, you know, he he was saying it too. He said there were some pretty awful sides he played in at Chelsea in his career but he said that on the whole they all put it in and I said well that's the point Johnny that's why we we love players like you who I, I actually said he was a very underrated player actually because I think he was he was always excellent for Chelsea but we loved him more because he put his foot in he was only about five foot three put his foot in and he gave 100% and actually that's all I ever asked for of a player you know and and Jorginho's doing that and he's got he's got no little skill as well but he's he's putting it in and I think that's great. I look I'm going to move this on because unless Jonathan wants to come back on that you 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 one of you were on the tip of your tongue I, about to yeah, say no, something. Yeah I, I just I, I found the uh, the Martin Wickham tweet and he basically said last season we didn't have a player suspended due to an accumulation of yellow cards. I like that. Say that again. Last season we didn't have one player suspended due to accumulation of yellow cards. It's mm, interesting, isn't it? Well, I think it, I think therein lies some sort of issue. Now, look, Jonathan, talking about uh, tracking back and stuff, you, you've you been getting in my ear all season, um, going on about Barkley, saying, he gives the bloody ball away. He always give the ball away. He always get caught in possession, Chidge. He's not as good as you think he is, Chidge. And I'm going, no, 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 no. He's brilliant in pre-season. Barkley's brilliant. He's, it's going to be his season. Like El Scal says, it's going to be his year. Yada, yada, yada. And about 15 minutes into the game... I texted you, didn't yes. I? And I said, I, I, Jonathan, Jonathan, Mr. Jonathan Kidd Esquire, uh, in regards, <laughs> in regards, Ross Barkley, I fear you may be right. 
um, because he was awful. I mean, he kept on giving. The, I mean, he passing to nobody, being a bit lazy, not tracking back. I, and I thought, what the hell? I mean, do you know what, J.K.? I'm gonna I'm gonna come out with. It. I'm gonna go on a bit of a rant here. I was really cross actually because I really like Ross Barkley. I am desperate, desperate for him to unleash the undoubted talent that this kid has. Well, not a kid anymore. This man has. Which he I mean, demonstrated I, in the pre-season. Well, he, he did, but yeah, pre-season. yeah, I know, but it was only pre-season. But, you know, know, the bottom line is I'm desperate for him to succeed, but he, he wasn't tracking back. He chooses the wrong options. He gives the ball away, gets caught in position. And the thing that I'm most fearful of, Jonathan, because, as I said, I really believe in this kid, and I so desperately want him to, to do well, but I fear that if he doesn't sort it out, he's going to absolutely miss his chance because, you know, it's it's a bit confusing at the moment because obviously Pedro's injured, which means uh, that Mount and, and Pulisic stroke William are, are, are playing wide. But when, when all the wingers are fit, you've basically got a competition between Mount, uh, Loftus-Cheek and Barkley, certainly, for the number 10 position. Right, he's doing, he's doing himself no favours at all. So he's, he could be left out. He could be yeah. absolutely left out. Well, he, would, he was left out against Norwich. He only got in because Pedro was injured. But also the fact that he was taken off in fifty-three minutes for me revealed an enormous amount about the way he was playing. My mate Ron, who's I sit next to, is the Millwall fan who only comes because his wife comes. He said to me, he said, if you look at Barkley, he said he seeks out a marker. He doesn't move away from the marker. He finds a marker to stand next to because it makes him feel he's part of a pattern. And I thought, bloody hell, I've never noticed that. And he does. He just seems to, he's magnetically a bit like Torres used to be from time to time. You know, you think he's attracted. He's not moving into a space there. And uh, and he actually said to me just before he was subbed, he said, Jonathan, he said, Dross Barkley, pants, he said. And and he's, he's a... Uh, you know, he, he's very objective because he's not a Chelsea fan. And, uh, uh, and you know, and I, I'm, I'm not in his ear saying I'm worried about Barkley. I, was in his, I wasn't in his ear at all. He's saying he's given the ball away again. Look, look, what's Barkley doing? And he points out he's, very, he's actually a good person to have in your ear other than I must tell you that Michael Gove was there again. I'll tell you the story in a minute. But, oh, uh, dear. He, I'd, he, like to, I'd like he, to be he, in his ear. Oh, I'd like my God. hobnail boot to be in his ear. Oh, God, Chidge, I'll tell you now. I was... I couldn't Tell him that it. from me. I got a gluten-free, this was at half-time, I got a gluten-free scone, or scone, depending on what you want to call it, with scone. some fruit fruit compote, because I, I don't eat the jam or the cream, you see, because of my gluten-free. And they, they found me one, because I said, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, it's not working for me here. I want, I want a bit of, <laughs> I, want, I, I, want, I, want a, I want something else here, because everybody else has got high tea, and I want some. And they found this for me, and I was savouring it. And the second half started, and I thought, sod it, I'm going to finish this. It's on telly. And I saw the goal on telly, annoyingly. And who should be standing there on his own? But Michael Gove, Michael Gove in front of me. And all these things flashed into my head. It was so dreadful. And I wanted to say in a ridiculous voice, I wanted to say, so, so, Gove, so, prorogation, eh? Or so, Gove, so, quick Brexit, no deal, eh? Or even, so, Gove, so, you're going to have your head chopped off, are you? <laughs> and I didn't. You know what I said? I said... What? 
4-2, I think it'll be. I said, pathetic. I was so annoyed with myself. And he went, looked to me up and down. I went, yes, and then left. And I went, oh, the opportunities, Jonathan, that I had. The opportunities. Oh, God. Anyway, um, <laughs> getting back to where we were, to Barclay. Yes, so, uh, yes, so uh, uh, we're not... Um, he's got to do something. As, as you say, he will miss out. Because if, uh, if Cheek comes in, which he will... Um, because of his, he is a, a he's such a unit and was and he's potentially really brilliant. Loftus Cheek, I, I'm 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 look, so looking forward to him returning. But once again, we have, mustn't go mad because he's had a really bad injury. So let's see. Um, but uh, I don't understand why he's losing these opportunities because it is it's going to go away from him if he doesn't look doesn't uh, pull his finger out really. Um, Clayton, what do you say about Barkley? Yeah, no, I. I... It, well, there were two things about Barkley. One, it hacked me off that he was playing um, because it meant that Mason Mount was playing out wide and Mason Mount is much better in the middle. And I just did wonder about William's fitness um, that Frank actually didn't play William on the left and, and Mount in the middle. Um, I'm always, I'm like you. I'm so keen for this guy to do well. And he's now... You know, he was not playing against top opposition on Saturday. And that is the sort of game that you want him to take by the scruff of the neck. Now, it's Jonathan and I had um, the, the same conversation on Love Sport two weeks ago. And I was trying to defend Barkley because Jonathan was coming up with his statistics. And Matt was saying, well, you know, and we were looking at the statistics and they were all actually bearing Jonathan out about him losing the ball so much and and Jonathan was spot on and and Saturday was was incredibly frustrating because you know this is a guy who you want to see control games and has got the skill so want him to succeed Clayton don't you I agree completely you so do and the potential there is fantastic and yeah he was he was he was poor um but in saying that, I do actually think that we lost a bit of shape when he went off mm. um, on Saturday. And I don't think that his early substitution helped us very much. Um, he is a complete dilemma. I mean, well, he, he really is. And, and I, uh, I think you're 100% right. I think he's got till probably Christmas to sort his life out. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope so. I'm talking to midfielders, mate. Uh, Vinod, I think, put this up here. But I heard this earlier on. Anyway, and I've now just gone and checked, but Kovacic has been uh, withdrawn from the Croatian squad because he's picked up an injury. Uh, it's an Achilles injury. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. The 25-year-old has suffered an inflamed Achilles tendon on his right leg. Uh, so it's not a, you know, it's not a, a rupture or anything, but uh, it'll definitely be out for a month, maybe, maybe well, four, six weeks, I would have thought. Maybe, maybe, oh, maybe a month. Crikey. Maybe a month. It's not too serious. That's. I mean, if it's inflamed, it, they can deal with that. But it, so it's not torn or, or snapped or anything. But uh, bloody hell, they're racking up, aren't they? These injuries. Um, hey ho, onwards and upwards. Uh, actually, funnily enough, talking of Kovacic, it's uh, very timely because uh, we really do need to talk about the substitutions. Um, Lamps was pretty defensive about this uh, when quizzed uh, quizzed about that uh, in the, in the post match presser. Uh, this was on him putting on Gilmore for Kovacic and Batshuayi on for Abraham. He says it wasn't bold because it was one for one. Kova was blatantly tired. Michi was to try and bring energy on for Tammy. Other people can make what they want of that. 
So up yours, Delors, was Frank's response. But uh, it kind of got me thinking because at the time I was a bit kind of, really? Because my beef was that he brought on Batshuayi for Abraham and I thought, actually, what you should have done was, to, I mean, who do, what do we know? I mean, I ain't got any coaching badges and I do always feel a bit uncomfortable coating off managers for this. But my gut feel was that they would have been better off bringing on Giroud because at least he would have been able to hold the ball up and give us some respite. Whereas, you know, bloody Batshuayi couldn't trap cement. So... You know, and as he then proved, remember that through ball that yes. went through and he tripped over his feet, bless him. Yes, yes. So you know, I thought they got I thought up in very quickly and had look, a shot. You see, that's we, the that's the horror of it, Chidge, is the speed that teams can get up the other end. Well, if, exactly. If you make well, a mistake like that, which is why I think having Giroud on to hold the ball up would have been good. The other thing that occurred to me with these substitutions, I'm I'm all for for, for uh, Billy Gilmore coming on, and I and I think actually that we need to have some context on this because who else? did Frank have on the bench to replace a midfielder if he was going to go like for like? He only had Gilmore on. Kovacic was knackered. It was absolutely obvious that he was knackered. So I get that. But, you know, I suppose that's the way it goes. If you're going to put these people on the bench, you've got to expect that they might have to play a part. But I thought that was a really tough, uh, kind of a bit of a baptism of fire for, for Billy Gilmore to come in in the game situation like that when Sheffield United were clearly on top. But there you go. But I just wondered, here's the other thing that occurred to me, chaps. You know, was he trying to shore it up? Because if you're going to try and shore it up, you don't go like for like. Was he trying to go for the kill and get another goal and try and put the game beyond doubt, which is laudable, I get. I just wondered if he was swept up in the emotions of it a bit. You know, home crowd, desperate for our first home win. He's desperate for his home, first home win. I just wondered if, if maybe he had been swayed by the emotions there rather than taking the pragmatic step. Uh, Clayton, I'll ask you first, then JK. Well, my and I said to you this pre-show, my concern on Saturday, certainly in the second half, um, that we created absolutely nothing. We created no chances at all. And I question Batshuayi coming on because Batshuayi is a poacher. Batshuayi is a box player and he picks things up that are fizzing around in the box. Well, apart from Tammy's chance at the beginning of the second half, we didn't fizz anything anywhere in the box. So I did question why that was um, that was being made. Um, I had no problem with Kovacic going off because I think Kovacic is, is just generally, um, he hasn't got the stamina because I know that the previous manager used to take him off all the time and that was laughable. But, and when he does go off, he actually does look like he can't actually walk <laughs> much more. Um, so I haven't got a problem with that. Um as far as options on the bench are concerned, um, I am reliably informed by people who know these things, and, and I don't, that Christensen plays holding midfield for Denmark. So oh, yeah, good point. He was, he was on the bench, and, and he could have come on. Now, maybe Frank thought, you know, this is Sheffield United. I, I, I saw his sort of very brief two-and-a-half-minute interview with Chelsea TV that... Um, where basically he said, with the greatest respect to Sheffield United, we should be winning these games at home. And he probably was thinking, we should be doing this. And and he probably did want to try and finish it off. And maybe there was a slight bit of naivety on there. Um, but as I said, I, my problem with the second half was that we, we completely lost control of it. And we never looked like scoring in the second half. 
Other than Tammy's snapshot, which was a great move. Yeah, that, that, but, but that whole move, JK, was absolutely sensational. Yeah. It really yeah. was fantastic. It deserved to end in a goal, but didn't. But after then, Sheffield United just bossed it. Mm. So, JK, do you think that, you know, have I, have I got on something here, maybe a bit swayed by the emotion, or am I, you know, is that a bit of a fantasy? I I agree completely. I thought I thought they were dreadful substitutions, for, but that's that's being wise after the event. Of you know, course, it uh, is easy uh, to say so now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, because because Gilmore was tried very hard, but kept giving the ball away, and it was perhaps all a bit too much for him. Yeah. And I, I'm and I'm I'm really pleased that he's in and, and involved yeah. because he's clearly a. a uh, desperate, uh, uh, desperately wrong word. He's a, a very, very talented player, and uh, the, you know, the sooner he's blooded, the better. And perhaps Frank, perhaps Frank thought, yeah, we're going to win this. We'll do it. I'll bring him on. He'll provide something. And it was wrong. And similarly with Bachwai, he's too clumsy. Um, uh, and as you say, perfect for in the box. But uh, there were other permutations that he could have chosen. And given that, um, perhaps he felt it would revitalise it knowing something about how they both played in training. Um, and it would have, we'd have then scored, as it was. Um, uh, a, a more pragmatic manager would have um, gone, kept the 2-1. Mourinho would have brought on defensive players and just, you know, gone for the dark arts. We'd have slowed the game down. Whereas Frank didn't, doesn't seem to want to do that, which is very laudable, you know, very praiseworthy. Good for him. But um, uh, it, it came at the end, it looked... Um, it looked a naive substitution, unfortunately. But you know what? I, I, you're right. You know, the one thing you said that's absolutely spot on is that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. It's easy for us to sit here and say this with 2020 hindsight. Yeah. But, um, you know, if he'd have brought on Christensen, I forgot about Christensen being able to play defensive midfield, but you're spot on with that. He does play there for Denmark. If he'd have brought Christensen on for Kovacic, everybody would have been saying, what are you doing bringing on Christensen in midfield for? Is this Sheffield bloody United, for Christ's sake? Go up the other end and score more goals. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you, sometimes, you, you, as I said, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. But I do wonder, I do wonder, actually, you know, the bottom line is what we've also got to appreciate here. And, I mean, I saw somebody coating off Lampard, uh, saying, oh, he was outmanaged by Chris Wilder. Damn right he was. Chris Wilder has managed in 863 games since 2002. Frank Lampard has managed for about 50 in a season and a bit. He is very inexperienced as a manager, but he will learn. And hopefully, making the odd Rick, like I think, to be fair, to hold our hands up, we have to say that he did. If you know, He will learn from that. He will learn from that like some of his players are learning. So, you know... Get a grip. Uh, talking of uh, Chris Wilder, actually, and Sheffield United, I was very impressed with them. I thought, you know, they did show a bit of Yorkshire grit and uh, some gnarly old experience from Wilder, who, who you know, clearly got into the team at half-time. And I thought, I, I read a lot of the, the, the post-match stuff, and he absolutely tore into Henderson, the goalkeeper, and uh, Callum Robinson, both of whom uh, were, were their best players in the second half, I thought. Um, the other thing I would say... I thought it was really interesting, and I wonder if, you know, I just kind of pick up on, I can't remember which one of you said this, but another really good point, I thought. But, you know, Sheffield Wednesday, absolute, sorry, Wednesday, Sheffield United stood off us in the first half, gave us loads of space. You give a team like Chelsea loads of space, they're going to murder you. Second half, they were all over us like a cheap suit. They never gave us any space or time. They were really aggressive. And we've seen this before as well in the last, I'd say, six years. If you get in Chelsea's face... If you get all over them and you get aggressive, they wilt because we are not the big, big physical team of the Mourinho 
Mourinho era who w- will not have that and give it back. So you can bully Chelsea, and I thought that's what they did second half, and fair play to them for that. You know, you can't argue with it. They, 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 they grabbed their chance and they took it well, Clayton. Yeah, no, you're 100 percent correct. I think Jonathan was was the one that said that, but but that 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 basically goes back to what I was saying earlier on about the fact we haven't got a mean streak. You know, they were all over us, and it was quite interesting. And and again, I, I'm not blaming anybody in particular, but Sheffield United were basically systematically fouling us every time we couldn't get into a rhythm because they fouled us. And basically, um, the guy who came on, uh, who used to be McGoldrick, who, came, who used, to, used to be at Ipswich, he was on and he committed at least three cynical fouls, one after the other. Nothing happened. Now, I'm not blaming that for, for us screwing up, no, but, but it doesn't it doesn't help. And we can't get a rhythm. And if the referee's not going to do anything about it, then this is what's going to happen. Uh, you know, just, just sort of going back to what you were saying about Frank and being outmanaged, in the same way that the players are going to make mistakes, he's going to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is what this season's about. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the bottom line is, if the club hold their nerve next year, next season... It'll be our year, Clayton. <laughs> it, it will. <laughs> and if, It'll be our if, year. It, it will, because you basically think about how many of these young kids are then going to be first-teamers, and their quality. They are quality, some yeah, of them. they are. And he is going to be a manager with a year under his belt, and then he's going to have a transfer window. Indeed. Yeah. He Indeed. may have a transfer window in January, of course. Well, he, he well, may I, do, but... I, yeah. We'll wait to see if that happens. Um, listen, just to, before we, we get on to, to kind of wrap this this part up, um, I, I, I was really bored on Saturday night. I'd had such a long day. I'd worked my bollocks off, you know, been to the football as well and da-da-da. And I was kind of bored, you know, whilst watching Match of the Day, as you are. And uh, um, I was listening... No, actually, it was, I was, I'd already watched the match again on... Uh, Sky had it on as their match of the of the day or whatever. And uh, then I watched Match of the Day, and I was kind of watching it again. And the commentator on BBC said Batshuayi in a way that sounded like Christopher Walken was saying it. So I then went into YouTube on my phone and checked out Christopher Walken and found lots of impersonations of Christopher Walken. And it just occurred to me, I put this on Twitter. I think everybody was asleep when they put it on because it got no response. Maybe it just wasn't very funny. Who knows? But I said, <laughs> I said say, say Mitchie Batshuayi in the voice of Christopher Walken and it'll fuck with your head, basically. It's, can you do it, Jonathan? Can you do a Christopher Walken? I can't remember how he speaks, Christopher Walken. Well, I mean, if, you, if I was to do it badly, because I don't do impersonations, it's not part of my shtick, but I would say, you know, we've, we've got a player called Mitchie Batshuayi. It would be like that, wouldn't it? But wouldn't it, Clayton? Say, say yeah, yes. Yeah, that's very good. That's yeah, very yeah. good. Mid, yeah, it is. It's like, that's, yeah. Um, it's Mid- Christopher Walkden is one of my favourite actors and was in one of my favourite music videos, Weapons of Choice yeah. by Fatboy Slim. Look yeah. it up. It's just the most yeah, brilliant yeah. thing. Yeah, Remember that? He does, he does like a dance. He, used to be he does. A, he used to be a dancer. All right. All you people out there listening on Mixler and on the podcast, I want you all to do this now. You have to go and say, Mitchie Batshuayi in the style of Christopher Walken. Mitchie Batshuayi! Yeah, there you go. If you do that, you will warm to Mitchie Batshuayi like you never have before. Now, talking of warming... I'd warm to him as a footballer rather than as an impression. Well, I I fear, Jonathan, that that, that's the best we can do. Um, Anyway... um, 
just talking about getting on the good foot, uh, as Christopher Walken did in uh, Weapons of Choice, brilliant video. Um, I got this stat, 24. The average age of Chelsea starting 11 against Sheffield United today is 24 years and 158 days. This is their youngest ever in the Premier League. I, I believe it might be the youngest ever in the Premier League for anybody, judging from some other stat that I saw. Um, listen, what I love about the youth at the moment, all of them are doing really, really well. Billy Gilmore, a bit early to say, because he didn't really... I, as I said, unfortunately, he had to come on when he did. But they're hungry. They're really hungry. And they're learning. As we said earlier on, they're, they're staying behind for extra training with Frank and stuff. They're proving that they can cut it at this level. And I think that there are several senior players who, who should kind of watch their backs, really. Don't you? JK? Uh, I, I, there don't appear to be many senior players left, the way things well, go. <laughs> that, well, that, <laughs> that is true. I mean, talking of that, JK, I mean, we, you know, I think a lot of people, because there was a lot of a melt, there was a big meltdown, um, you know, predictably on that idiotic social media platform that we all go on. Um but there are some massive injury issues that we've got. We've got another one with Kovacic out. But, you know, Loftus-Cheek, Kante, Rudiger, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Pedro, Reese james William getting back to fitness. You know, there are quite a few senior players, players in there and players who have played for... I mean, Hudson-Odoi and Reese james the least experienced, I grant you. But there's some good experience and good players in there. But the good thing is, you know, most of these will be resolved after the international break. And I kind of just wondered, you know... It, it, I think the international break is, is coming at the right time, actually. It might be a blessing in disguise. We get some of these players back, because clearly right now we need them. Because I think one of the problems we had on the bench was the lack of depth. Well, I think especially with Conte, it will be perfect for him to recover, because uh, he really is the cement for the team to play at their best. Um, uh, and I think Rudiger will get in because he's, he had a, another under-23 game during the week. I think Frank mentioned that in his... Uh, post-match chat to Chelsea TV. So I think it likely that he'll he'll claim a, um, a place against Wolves. Um, and then it's a question of when the others are, uh, are available. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bouncing off the walls that Pedro's going to be OK again because he, he appears to have the same energy the team have, which is plays very well for a half and then becomes the Duracell bunny who just runs in straight lines and kicks it and runs after it. So... Uh, um, uh, I think James is the most important of the lot because we're having a lot. We're saying a lot about him, and people are talking about him as this kind of prodigal son. Um, uh, and we need somebody to replace or give give Dave a run for his money because it can't go on like this. As I say, they targeted him in the second half, and rightly so because he fell apart. And he, you know, we can't keep having these stats of him giving the ball away more than anybody else in the team and losing it. Um, it's 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 a weak link, and if Rhys James can provide the cover and it works, I mean, you know, Wigan coming into the Premier League is a is a big step, but if he's given the opportunity, I think you know by, by the middle of the season, as I say, there'll hardly be anybody playing who played last year, then they'll mm. all be. Uh, they'll all be the youth. Well, yeah, uh, but the corollary of the corollary is old. The corollary of that, of course, is that we also lack leadership and, and a bit of experience. And, you know, we're going to need a bit of that. Won't it be Rudiger who'll be the man? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to that. But I think we need it across the pitch, don't we, Clayton? Oh, completely, yeah. Um, the, I think the, the whole Reese James thing is absolutely ludicrous because, you know, with the best will in the world... Everybody who's calling for him and he's going to solve all our problems. I'd like to 
sort of ask each and every one of them who's actually seen him play because I haven't, um, and I'm bloody sure most of them haven't. Now I think we all watched Wigan last year, though, didn't we, Clayton? We did indeed. I, I watched them intermittently with Napoli, um, and <laughs> Wigan Napoli, surely. Indeed, um, and the, the the point is that he's now going to come in under the most ridiculous pressure because oh, everybody sorry. thinks he's going to be the best right back there's ever been. I think the fact is, and I, I think you put this on Twitter this morning, it might have been, uh, JK, that, that, you know, Dave's only just turned 30. Yes, did, yeah. and, and the fact is that he's been playing solidly. He, he played every game last season. Yeah. And he's not had a rest. And you have to think, that can't be good. Um, and there has, to be, there has to be some sort of help there has to be some sort of rotation. I mean, the defence at the moment is not looking good. You can't put it just down to, to Asby, as we discussed earlier. It's a team thing. But he he was very much at fault with both of their goals. Not completely, but very, you know, a huge part. And I think the thing is that the longer Loftus-Cheek, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Rhys James are out, the better they're getting. And it's just not the case. Yes, it's going to give Frank a lot more options and the squad's going to be more balanced. Um, but the bottom line is a lot of our problems are going to be solved when Kante comes back because we're a different team. It's mm, a, a very good point, Clayton. Yeah, very good point. And uh, hopefully the sooner the better, providing he's fit. Because I, I want, and I think Frank does too, and he's smart enough to know this, but we need... You know he needs to be rested until he's absolutely fit. You don't want a recurrence of that injury. Look, the bottom line is, I think we're all we're all agreed. Really, we knew what we were getting into this season. It's going to be two steps forward, two steps back all the time. It's going to be that kind of season. Buy the ticket, take the ride. But patience is required. It's still early days. The interesting thing that I've I've noticed, Jonathan, because I was doing the Love Sports Show yesterday, so I actually had to open my mind and my eyes to other football how awful um but uh, everybody else is is dropping points everybody else apart from city and liverpool and leicester are looking on fire but that won't last but everybody's dropping points and and you could look at this another way we've lost once but and we're unbeaten in three you know the wins will come you could say well i, I still think um it's very much work in progress and yeah uh, definitely and once um kante's in position i think we'll be a completely different proposition mm. so uh um, it, but, it, but it's it, it's difficult to get this perspective. You know, we talked about this the other days. You've got still got people where I sit uh, in despair, saying yeah, well, we're going fi- to finish fourth that, from bottom at this rate. You know, we did we did this last week. We this did. has got this has got so much to do with people's desire to use football as some sort of kind of quasi fucking therapeutic service and get all their anger and angst out wave their dick around making everybody look at me I, I can sit here and complain at Chelsea players and stuff I, I, it's it's divorced from reality in my view it's as much divorced from reality as the people that you get on Twitter there's no sense of perspective in this at all there are other things at play and I speak as a psychotherapist having said that Jonathan um supporting Chelsea this season I, I this is a thought that occurred to me earlier today supporting Chelsea this season is what leavers want you to believe Brexit will be like Positive and liberating, but excruciatingly painful in the short term. Would that be fair enough, Clayton? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> I, I, I definitely think that 
that people have to have perspective and the, and the fact is that a lot of the people on social media have no perspective whatsoever well, and, and plenty in the stadium too let's not forget there are people in the stadium who, yeah. who use it i mean i used the example last week when jonathan and i were kind of i mean we were, we were having a discussion we weren't having an argument really but we, we were talking about it and and i said look i get it you know I, I in that very match that we were talking about i got up shouted at william and called him a dozy prick you know football allows you to do that it allows you to do that but but just because you do that doesn't mean that you don't support the team don't back it i'm going to sit here and support what's going on and you know and and, and enjoy the ride because that's what it's about right but you know, yeah but i, I called him a nine yeah but a hundred percent i'm sorry but if you as a chelsea fan are not excited by what's Massively, going on at the moment yeah then to use the expression that was used a lot today on Twitter, you need to give your head a wobble. Because the fact is, I walked into that ground on Saturday and it was my first you know, game and you get the buzz that you always do. And I looked at the... the and I thought, oh, there's Mason Mount. Oh, you know, there's Tammy. There, there's Tamori. I, I thought, how exciting is this? I really did. And I, and I am excited by it. Mm. And when the, when the equaliser went in... You know, I just thought this is like the old days. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, it and, is. And, it you is. know, when, yeah. when, when in the 93rd minute, the away side would either win or equalise and run to their fans in the north stand. There'd be about 50 of them and they'll but be pe- jumping people have up got, down. People have got very short memories. I remember that happening when we had Mourinho as a manager. I remember that happening when we had Carlo as a manager and we were winning the double. These things happen. I mean, the reality is, is that... Like like you and Jonathan, I, I have not been so engaged and, and excited for a season for a long, long time because, you know, we all knew that really some a, a change had to happen in spite of all the huge success we've had. You know, things have been different in this club financially since 2013 uh, for all of the reasons that we all know about, uh, that we've been basically applying a, a Band-Aid to systemic problems ever since then. You know, those of us who are close to the club know that Roman was very keen to change the way that cl- the club has, was run, and that's what he's been doing. And, you know, sometimes you need to have a bit of a reset. You know, sometimes you do. And we have, have long been told that we've got the the most, you know, advanced and, and greatest academy set up in, in football, uh, and Roman is keen for that to come through. I would lo- There was nothing I would love more than to see some of these youngsters, you know, survive. And, and the final point on this, boys... And I'm sorry if this upsets other people who have only supported us since 2004. You can't help that. You support the club when you start supporting it. I have seen. I never thought I would see Chelsea win the FA Cup again, you know, before 1997. The fact that I've seen them win every trophy that you can win, apart from the World Club Cup, which Rafa Benitez screwed up, I've seen us win everything that I, I, I never thought I would. I never thought I'd see us win a European Cup. I will, if I die tomorrow, I will die an exceedingly happy camper as a Chelsea supporter. If we never won a trophy again, I would be upset. I would not be happy. But I would not be, you know, throwing my toys out the pram. I've been lucky. I've seen it all, and 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 I'm lucky for that. So I cannot understand this mentality about seeing success only in, in i mean it sounds like a bloody arsenal fan i don't mean to but you know you can't win stuff every year you really can't we've been lucky that we have to date per se but there needs to be some reality and perspective i really do think there is so can, think- can i just have a chat with my alter ego for a second this yeah. was ten. we came we came <laughs> every yeah, but you're, year you're- 
you're you're being you're being Ron the Millwall fan now. I know that. You <laughs> no, know, no, that. no, Ron or, would or say, stop with. No, Ron would say no, you can't win everything. No, he said, Jonathan, no, you can't win everything. He also said things like he said that Louise. He said, I'm pleased he's gone. She's not a proper player. Not a proper. I mean, the the the, the other thing, you know, Clayton, if you don't, you know. You have to experience the lows in order to appreciate the highs. Surely, this is a, this is a life lesson. This is not just about football. Am I wrong? You're not, but you're looking at it from a rational point of view. You're looking at it from a mature point of view. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe the, that's what it is. The, the, there, there is so much that you know. Twitter is divided into really enjoyable conversations, really enjoyable debates, and then you've got the people who abuse you you've got the people who basically are cultists for a particular manager that we used to have who basically are not interested and compare um you know to to previous things the fact is that if you think about it our fan base the generation below us my son for example he's known nothing but success and you have to take that into account when you're looking at, at their expectations. And the fact that, you know, us three saw us when we when we were shite and saw a lot worse than what we saw on Saturday, we're used to it. And we're basically, and what you, and the statement you just made about, I couldn't agree with you more. I never thought I'd ever see us win anything, you know. And, and so we're coming from there. And they're coming from, well, we yeah. won the FA Cup last year. We won the European Cup the year before that. We won Europe. They're, they're basically not coming from it from the same perspective. No, that's, that's very true. I, I also wonder if there's something else at play as well. You know, the, I, I, and, and this, is, this, is, this goes across generations. It goes across backgrounds. It goes across, uh, you know, countries, wherever you come from. But I think far too many people in football invest too many of their hopes in it. It becomes... You know, your team winning it really makes up for your own lack of achievement and your own lack of confidence or self-esteem or what have you. So you invest too much in it because of that. So, you know, it becomes too important in a sense for you to win and you cannot therefore cope with the failure as a result. Because I'm telling you now, people, like there is in life, your football team is going to lose sometimes. It's going to happen. Deal with it. You know, anyway, on that really happy, positive note. What does that say for Tottenham fans, Chich? They must be in despair. But I think, I think, I think also in a way, football fans are like like dog owners. You know, you get the dog that that suits your personality. So, you know, Tottenham supporters will always have miserable dogs. Have you not noticed that? (laughs) They always have bloodhounds. You know, it's it's a fact. Quite jolly. I think it's more. Have you ever seen a bloodhound smile? Come on, be honest. <laughs> no, it's exactly. ears. It's ears always get in the way. I don't know, so. mate. I bet Clement Freud was a Spurs fan. Yeah, I think he. Was I bet not. he was. Check it out on Google. No, I bet he was point, a Spurs actually. fan. I think, yeah, yeah. They lived in North London. Yeah. There you go. All right, boys. What a great debate. You're brilliant. I do miss having you on the show. I, I, I think we should do this every day. I enjoy this so much. You see, this is the thing. The other thing we should appreciate us a lot. We're really lucky. We get to do a podcast every week, a couple of times a week, where we get to, to to work through this. I say this in a therapeutic sense. We get to work through it. True. We, in our company, we do it in the pubs afterwards. I mean, Jonathan and I. You know, I'm 
I'm skedaddling off a bit early these days because I'm coming back to Winchester. But we get to, I'm, you know, I saw you, Clayton, straight afterwards. It's therapeutic. I see somebody I love and it's like, they're there, don't worry, we'll be okay. So, you know, we're really lucky that we get to do that. And I sometimes maybe we forget that. It's when you're not with other people, when you're on your own, it's a bit different, you know, and, and maybe maybe the defeats feel a bit worse. So I, I do have sympathy for people. Look, if you ever sat next to me at a football match, I will I will give you the textbook definition of losing your shit at football. Jonathan Clayton both have, you know, I'm terrible. So I, I, I get the passion, I get the emotion, and I get the throwing the toys out of the pram. I really do. I haven't quite reached Cheltel levels, though, where he would lock himself in a dark room for a week and refuse to speak to anybody. Uh, that's a bit extreme. Anyway, we will carry on being less extreme in the next box. We're going to talk about the Champions League draw uh, that we and the group that we're in, and we're going to ask who are the main threats, can we get out of the group, and what would constitute success in the Champions League for Chelsea this season. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live, <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge. You're listening to the Chelsea Fancast with the wonderful Jonathan Kidd and the wonderful Clayton Beerman joining me tonight. Um, we are going to go straight into... I was going to talk about Bakayoko being loaned out to Monaco. Has he, Mason... he gone to Monaco? Well, I thought he had, and uh, Mason Mountain Barkley being called up to England. But you know what? There's other stuff to talk about, and we've waffled on in, the, in part two so long. I want to try and go to bed tonight at a reasonable time, so that I'll, I'll just merely state that. We can talk about that next week. Um, right, Champions League draw. Just to remind everybody, we've got... Um, 
Valencia, Lille, and Ajax, or Ajax, if you prefer, um, in the uh, in the Champions League. Uh, they When are we playing them? September the 17th, Chelsea, Valencia. Wednesday, the 2nd of October, uh, Lille v. Chelsea. 23rd of October, Ajax, Chelsea. I'll be definitely... Oh, I won't be going to that one because uh, it's away. Uh, I don't have the money. November the 5th, Chelsea, Ajax. Definitely going to be there for that one. Uh, Valencia, Chelsea... November the 27th and our last match is the home match against Lille so it's interesting isn't it I mean Jonathan what do you think of the draw uh, uh, you know first up really I think that's the, the I don't, to put there it. isn't a, a star team in it is there so I don't see why we shouldn't do well I mean uh, Ajax um, have lost their two main players to Barcelona and um, Juventus haven't they so uh, um, Valencia Arsenal beat easily in the uh, in the semi-final of the Europa League last year. Lille sold their best player Pepe to Arsenal. Um, I, I, I think we've done all right. I think we'll we'll either win it or finish second. I don't think um, I, I don't think uh, it's going to be too problematic actually to get out of the group. I, I, it didn't it didn't fill me with horror. And actually, I was thinking it would have been nice to have drawn somebody enormous just for the hell of it. Draw Madrid or something, but in this instance, I think we'll we can I can see us going into the next stage easily. Actually, well, it's interesting, isn't it, Clayton? Because I mean, I've heard other people, a lot of pundits, saying this is one of those odd groups. Where Jonathan's right, there are no, you know, we've avoided uh, a Real Madrid or an Atletico Madrid or, or an Inter Milan. You know, we've avoided some of the really really big teams. But they're all. We're all. The 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 thing that somebody made a really good point, saying that actually every one of the you know Chelsea, Valencia, Ajax, and uh, Lille, you could argue all about the same really. So it could be quite tough. I.e., a very close group. There was no whipping boy, for example. Um, I think Ajax are interesting. I'm really looking forward to seeing Ajax. I don't think I've ever seen them play live, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, but uh, of course, they no longer have uh, Frankie De Jong and Mat- Matisse De Ligt. Because they've gone off to, uh, you know, uh, Barcelona to, and yeah. uh, Juventus. And, uh, yeah, exactly. So they're no longer there. By the way, Jim, apparently, I was very intrigued to see that Higuain had gone to Juventus and was apparently the best player at the weekend. Well, do you know what? Know. I spoke to uh, the wonderful Sheridan Bird uh, on the radio show I do uh, yesterday. And, um, you know, he was saying exactly that, you know, much to our mirth and surprise. But there you go. Um Apparently, Ajax struggled a bit over, uh, you know, getting in their playoff over Apoel Nicosia. Yeah. So they might not be the threat that they were last season. And Valencia, as you say, I mean, we've never lost to them. Uh, they got walloped by Arsenal last year in the Europa League. Um, so you know, maybe they're not so much of a threat. And Lille have sold Pepe to Arsenal. I mean, it's going to be interesting. I, I think. I think that point about actually all the sides being quite evenly matched might be might be an interesting one, Clayton. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that um, Valencia are the only team out of the group who didn't lose their best player in the summer. Um, the Ajax, although they have lost some decent players and obviously, you know, one of the best players that's, that's around at the moment, you know, the whole ethos of that team is they keep bringing through the most wonderful, wonderful youth players. And, and you have to think that um, they're going to be a tough, tough, uh, tough ask. Uh, Leo, I don't know enough about. Um, I saw Nicolas Pepe yesterday and he looked like a 
uh, he looked like a, a head. He looked more chicken. PP than Pepe. I he think. did. He was. He, I thought he was. He was bang average. But I mean, it's very early days. Explosive pace. Um, somebody described him as a fast William. Um, <laughs> I like that. But um, <laughs> I, I, the thing I like about the group is the fact that apart from Valencia, who I think we haven't played now, maybe for about three, four years, we haven't played the other two. No, exactly. And, I always you know, love the, that. The, the, the whole thing about the group stages, it was getting a little bit tedious that we ended up playing teams that we played the year before or whatever. Um, I'm not really expecting very much out of this Champions League campaign. Um, it would be good to get out of the group, which I think we've we probably got the capability to do so. And by the by, the time the, the, the next round comes up, I think that's February, you know, we should have hit our straps. And so, and may have bought somebody else if we're not in the in the transfer. Yeah, and uh, and so I think you know from from that uh, perspective, I think it's it's quite interesting. I think it it, it will be a tough group, um, but I think it's an exciting group. I mean, I mean, you look at Manchester City; they've got more or less got a buy. Liverpool, you know, not not the toughest of group. I think Spurs group's quite tough. Um, so I just yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, me too. I mean, actually, just picking up on the whole Valencia thing, Clayton. Um, Chelsea have been on the same Champions League group as Valencia on two previous occasions, and we've reached the final on both occasions, 2007-8, 2011-12. So who knows? I mean, what I would say, I, I think it's not going to be easy, this group. I've got a hunch it's not going to be easy. Oh, absolutely. Um, because, as I said, because I think actually all four teams are quite well matched, you know, and there isn't a whipping boy, and that's the beautiful thing about the Champions League. Normally, you get somebody who's absolutely rubbish in there, and everybody beats them, and that helps everybody else in a sense. But you never uh, know. it might be one team turns out to be that way. We don't know yet. Yeah, maybe. Let's hope it's not us, eh, JK? That's yes. the point. But um, I think if we can get through the group stage, I think then it becomes a cup competition, and anything can happen. Anything can happen. I mean, I'm under no illusion. You know, we, we've. I don't think we've been capable of competing in the Champions League, really. To be honest, the last. I mean, that that first Mourinho season when we got to the semi-final and Atletico knocked us out. But I don't really think since then we we've had much of a sniff, and I don't think we've been really capable of. You know, when I say capable of competing, it I mean winning it. You know, getting into the semi-final final. You know, I don't think we've really had a sniff of that since really the the great Mourinho team broke up so I'm not expecting us to go deep in it but uh, I think it could be quite a fun ride let's hope so and keep our fingers crossed eh yes indeed um that's all I've got to say about that in true uh Forrest Gump style really um although I had now what just one caveat on that actually I mean you know we all seem to kind of I mean it's interesting isn't it because most of the Chelsea supporters I speak to uh, say unequivocally that, uh, and I get asked this all the time. Oh well, how long do you think uh, Roman's going to give Frank? Then you know, uh, how 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 far does, do we have to fall before he gets the bullet? You know, and I said, look, I, I just think he's going to be here all year. I'm pretty sure of that. But um, what do you think um, the club's expectations of the Champions League will be? Do you think it'll be as as kind of philosophical as ours is? Well, it would suit the business plan for us to go as far as possible, wouldn't it? Um, so. Uh, knowing that the likelihood of us qualifying for it this year is slim I don't know I'm um, it it would suit them for us to be really successful as always so uh, but you know what you know in the old days and I say the old days when we were in it every year and doing quite well 
the club used to actually budget to finish yeah. at, at least in the quarter-final stage. Yeah. That's, they used to budget for that. Yeah, that's quite remarkable if you think about it. It makes sense. You know, though, imagine it? imagine being Arsenal and budgeting to finish in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. You'd 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 be under budget every year, wouldn't I you? I suppose for the outlay, then it would make sense. The amount of money they were paying the players and the amount the players that they had, you know, being an elite club. But we mustn't ever forget this is a we're one of the most famous clubs in the world and an elite club. And uh, all right, this may be a season where our expectations are um, are neutered, are are lessened, but. Uh, um, they would love us to go as far as we possibly could in every competition, as we know. And there's no, there's no reason to say that we, uh, as you say, Chidge, it's a cup competition. Um, if uh, he starts getting what he wants better and more quickly, um, uh, and we say there isn't a transfer ban by Christmas and he buys a player or two or who, who knows, uh, it, it might, we might have a decent run in it. In the same way that we might have a decent run in every competition. Yep. Who knows? You just don't know. The future is unwritten, Clayton, isn't it? But there you go. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, what what I would say, mate, is that uh, obviously the most important consideration for all proper Chelsea fans is uh, where we're playing. And uh, they are three peachy trips, I've got to say. Ajax, Amsterdam. Bloody hell. Give me some of that. Valencia in uh, the autumn. Nice and warm. Everybody will love a bit of that. Great city too, Valencia. Nice place. And Lille, uh, not a particularly pleasant place, but really easy to get to. So uh, I think we've lucked out with the trips when we could have con- kind of gone to somewhere like, you know, Ulaanbaatar or whatever, you know. So uh, that's uh, that will that will keep the European away chaps happy, happy, I'm sure. So there we go. All right, we're going to move on um, because, you know, what else can you say about it, really? You know, I, wait till it bloody happens and then we'll talk about it. Um, all right, I've got some parish notices for y'all. Uh, running for Jacob Rice. Um, this is uh, via the lovely Rob Thompson, but on behalf of the, uh, the the lovely Julio. Everybody loves Julie. Alfie, Kenny Rice, King Kenny on Twitter. Nice guy, Kenny. Adam M. Uh, and they are running uh, a the Great North Run uh, on September the 8th in memory of Jacob Rice, who uh, tragically lost his battle with leukemia in April 2018, aged just two. So they're, they're fundraising for Leukemia UK and they would appreciate any help uh, raising their total. Uh, the easiest thing to do is just to go to uh, virginmoneygiving.com and then just type in the search bit Jacob's Joggers and you'll find their page, and then you can donate, which you jolly well should because they're all very lovely people, m- massive Chelsea fans, people that I see uh, in the pubs uh, quite frequently, lovely people too. Um, talking of lovely people, uh, they don't come much lovelier than uh, Mr Paul Cannaville, who, of course, big friend of the show, um, Chelsea legend in his own lunchtime, lovely bloke Canners, one of the, my, my favourites. Of course, we, uh, you know, I need to put this on the website. I know I've announced it on here, but um, the Paul Cannaville Foundation is um, what can only be described as uh, our chosen kind of charity, the, the charity of choice that we kind of support, kind of officially. So uh, you know, everything that Canners does. We support hugely, and he's got one of his uh, Black and Blue Legends Christmas parties coming up, uh, which will follow on from the Black History Month, and uh, it'll be a night celebrating past, present, and future Black uh, Chelsea players at Chelsea. There'll be a Q&A session with high-profile uh, panel of players and celebrities socialising all night and partying till late. And if you've ever been out at Canners, you know when he says partying till late, he means partying till late. Do you remember when he was at my anniversary party? Yes, I he do. Was the, he was the star of the show, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He top, was. He top, loved it. Top, such a lovely man. 
He is a lovely man. So they'll be dancing to ska, reggae, R&B. There'll be a raffle, silent auction, and a cash bar. And I suspect all the proceeds will be going to the Paul Carnival Foundation. Now, um, I'm not sure about how the, how one gets tickets, but I do believe they're being released in September. I will find out more. Okay, but it's uh, it'll be on Monday, the second of December. Very bad planning, Canners, to do it on a Monday night. You know, think about it, people. Half eight, uh, half six to one o'clock at under the bridge. Uh, so we may find if we go that the fan cast will be on the Tuesday that week. But there you go. Um, there have been loads of people who have signed up for Patreon in the last week. I love you all. I owe you all a message welcoming you on, on board and saying thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, it's all so lovely that you do. Um, it helps cover some of the costs that I've incurred over the years, uh, for which I'm grateful. There is absolutely no pressure um, at all. You know, I've always looked at it like, you know, I pay a quid for the fanzine every time it comes out. You could do much the same for this, uh, and it would be great. But you really don't have to. We're carrying on doing it, whatever happens. So, you know, uh, the fact that you do and support us is lovely. I, I do try sometimes to think of ways I can pay you back. There's things like Discord, which I'm going to look into, which means we can have a live chat. I think, Jonathan, we could do our little videos yes. after the match. I reckon we can do them directly onto Patreon. I think that would be great. I think we need to do that. We need to make yeah. sure that that's what we do every year. Uh, let, 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 let's face it, if we're going to do those videos, I think we should do it to an audience that kind of loves us unconditionally rather than put it on Twitter where we get lots of hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only joking. We never get hate mail. We're it was considered nice. that, what was it, Russ uh, Saunders thought it was a, with a GoPro. And I was impressed because I think, you know, Russ, it's me just holding the camera with a very steady, holding my phone, it, I should say. It was very well steady, done. Steady arm. You know, I'm, it was very well done, mate, I have to say. Maybe we, maybe I'll do a few in the, in the cock before on Patreon just for you lot. Because I'm always very conscious that you give money to us every month. And I, I think I always you kind should of, and show people around the cock as well. I think it's good. I think it's good. I, yeah, you know, I could do a Patreon prison. video showing people my cock. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely perfect, yeah. I need, I need a macro the, lens, the, obviously. The, the, how, how deep it is and how, how, how large and yeah. you know, the girth of the cock. You know. Yes, indeed, indeed. Anyway, it was all going horribly wrong. Um, but I think, yeah, that, I think we could do that on Patreon. That might be quite fun. I, I also think we, that idea that we should do it like, uh, you know, um, Mel Smith and Griff Rhys-Jones, like the head-to-head. Yes. You know, how, if we could figure out a way to, to, to film that, I think that would be quite funny. But anyway, I am digressing hugely. I'm very grateful for everything that you do. Uh, oh, Dean, Dean Mears has posted, hold on while I unsubscribe to Patreon. <laughs> yes, that, honestly, Dean, there'll be, no, there'll be no cock videos, I promise you. Unless, you, unless I get some requests, and that'll be different. Um, but no, always very grateful for, for you getting involved, and I'm very keen that we get more involved with you. And of course, the Kerry banners are on their way, so for those of you who have asked for them, I will, I will organise getting them sent out. Um, so donate whatever you want uh, per show uh, or per month. I mean, basically, you pay money and they take it out every month. So you need to watch for that. Um, and it's at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There you go. Um, Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, as ever, my quick plug for the trust. Uh, join it. Get your voice heard by the club. It's free to join up to be a member. But if you want to have a nice shiny badge and you want to uh you know vote in the in the elections which we've just had and uh, come along to our meetings then you really do have to be a full member a voting member and for that you pay five quid a year uh, if you are belong to like one of the official supporters groups uh then we wholeheartedly encourage you to join as an affiliate member 
okay, which gives you a little bit more access and uh, you get involved in a lot of our kind of discussions and meetings which we take to the club and you pay 25 quid a year for that. Chelsea Fancast is an affiliate member, I should hasten to add. Uh, anyway, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, if you want to sign up, just go to ChelseaSupporterStrust.com. While I'm talking about the trust, uh, it was announced last week that there will be, this is fantastic actually, Cliff Auger has organised this uh, together with Mark Meehan and Hammersmith Council, but there will be a sleep out. Now, what does that mean? It means that basically uh, we will be uh, sleeping in a sleeping bag all night in the East Stand, freezing our bollocks off uh, to raise money for uh, two home... Well, the Os- Oswald Stoll, who are our next-door neighbours, and a homeless charity, uh, Glass Door, who are based on the King's Road. And I think I should give you a bit of context with this, because a lot of you won't know this, you won't privy to this, but... Uh, the inspiration for this, uh, which came from Mark, who is Eddie McCready's Blue and White Army on Twitter, and a, one of the most lovely people you'll ever meet at Chelsea. He was part of the Chelsea Independent back in the day. He's written loads of books. Fantastic bloke. Um, but uh, the inspiration for this came from a combination of a lot of other clubs having done it. Cliff wanted to do what other clubs are doing, felt that Chelsea should be doing something too. And the reason we're doing it for the homeless is because it was inspired by the wonderful much missed uh, and I'm very proud to say somebody I knew fairly well and, and worked with and that's Ray Wilkins who was my first Chelsea hero and of course as we know Ray tragically died last year um, but uh, a story came out uh, shortly after his death uh, because some bloke phoned up Talk Sport and it was actually a guy who had been homeless and was outside West Brompton Station and uh, if you've ever been to London I'm sure it's the same anywhere sadly we all find it too easy to walk past homeless people uh, but Ray didn't because Ray was that kind of guy. And he sat down. Not only did he sit down with this guy and talk to him for 20 minutes, he gave him 20 quid. He, he went to a cafe and, and got him some food and, and, and did what you need to do. He engaged with this guy and treated him like a human being with a bit of respect and compassion. Uh, and Ray was that kind of a guy, one of the most lovely people I've ever met. And we felt it would be really fitting when we did the Chelsea one that, it, that the money would go to a homeless charity kind of to honour Ray as well. So that's why... Uh, we're doing it for the homeless. Um, easy to find out. If you're on Twitter, just go and follow Chelsea Chelsea Supporters Trust, Chelsea at, L, at Chelsea S Trust, or go to their website, ChelseaSupportersTrust.com. You'll find out all about how to get involved with the event. I mean, basically what you have to do, if you're interested in doing it, you let us know, uh, and then you have to pledge to raise a minimum of 100 quid, which you can do through just giving, I believe. The information's all on there, but it'll be on Saturday, November the 16th. And I would imagine there'll be quite a few, uh, few interesting Chelsea faces there that you'll end up sleeping with. So if you've ever wanted to sleep with some of your favourite Chelsea people, this is your chance. I'm not missing out on that, Clayton. What about you? I'll have to check my diary. Indeed. Jonathan, can you bring your butler so we can have some kind of brandy on tap? <laughs> no, no, no. Chidge, I'll be sending my butler. Please. Instead of you. On your behalf. Exactly. Yeah. As as Dean as Dean rightly said, uh, and I should have said this because I wasn't reading the thing properly. Um, there is space for only two hundred people, but actually you have to be a season ticket holder, or and and I presume uh, a supporters trust member as well. Have to sleep. Um, Does that mean we'll be going into the hospitality areas as well? No, no, it's out. It's kind of I don't know exactly where it is actually. I think it's going to be the East Stand, but we've had to do this with the support on the permission of the club, obviously, because they, they they wouldn't just let any you know 200 hairy hairy ass people in there um that's why you have to be a season ticket holder and a cst member so there, there needs to be a bit of kind of uh you know control there and that's what's going on but do check it out and if you can come along um 
do. If you can't, then just support people you know who are. I mean, I'll be doing it so you can sponsor me, you know. Uh, so there you go. So great thing that they're doing, and I thought it'd be really nice for me to be able to give you a bit more context uh, than you would probably get on the website thing. Right. Finally, 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 um, the usual plug for the Chelsea pitch owners, who, of course, um, protect the future of the club uh, and playing football there, uh, go and buy a share in the CPO, and then you can own some of the freehold of Stamford Bridge. And, of course, uh, one of the best things you can do, really, I think, as a Chelsea supporter, because it's unique. And, in fact, actually, in this week of Berry or Bury uh, going out of business and Bolton nearly going out of business, it should make you understand there, but for the grace of God, go we. And, in fact, I would say twice in my lifetime this club nearly went out of business, once uh, in the seven, well in the 80s. And this is why the CPO came about, because um, the Mears family sold out to uh, a company called uh, Marla. Camp was it in Cabra be- Estates it, as well. Well, it then became Cabra Estates when Marla went bust in the early 90s due yeah. to the housing crisis. But what happened was is that they split, uh, basically they sold the freehold of the ground and and also the club. So they were separate. And what Bates did, he when Cabra went bust, he basically made sure he got the freehold back from the creditors. And at that point, he set up the CPO so that anybody who owned the club in the future would own the club but not the ground, therefore protecting it forever. And we have something that no other club has at all. So, you know, Roman is brilliant, blah, 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 blah. We all know that. But if we didn't have Roman, we had somebody else, you know, if they decide... I mean, you know, you're sitting on millions and millions and millions and millions of real estate uh, value at Stamford Bridge. It's in the heart of one of the best, if not the best part of London. So you could get a, a dodgy owner in who might not, who might like the idea of making a few quid, and that's how they would do it. Well, they can't. And they can't because so many of us uh, own shares in the freehold of Stamford Bridge. And that's why it's genius and brilliant. Whatever else Ken, Ken Bates did, and most of yes. it was awful, yes. he did one thing, one yes. thing that was great, and that was it. And I t- what happened, you know, if Berry had that, it would be a different story. If Bolton had that, it would be a different yes. story. So there we go. Ken's, that's why it's so important, folks. Sorry, Ken's Jonathan, go on. the club. Ken must be remembered, despite yep. being a very peculiar man and everybody mistrusted him. His uh, his policy over saving the club was genius, completely genius, even if it meant that he then managed to make a large amount of money out of it. Good luck to him. He saved the club and he'll always be remembered for that. And uh, yep. um, if, if Barry had had somebody like him with his acumen, they would never have gone under. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, all right. Okay, right. Check out uh, CPO, easy to do, info at chelseapitchowners.com. Check out the official Chelsea website and just put in Chelsea Pitch Owners in the search engine. And, of course, follow them on Twitter at Pitch Owners. Uh, unless Clayton is busting to say anything, I'm going to move on. No. Nope. Okay, good stuff. Right, part four coming up. We've got loads of emails. Alex Woodham's on the captaincy. Bryce Winchester on supporting from Australia. Lloyd Torrey on VAR. Jack Vasso out on where to go on a match day. And Greg Donay just checking in from Oz. We'll be back in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge. He is Jonathan Kidd and he is Clayton Beerman. Hello. Hello. Lovely stuff. 
Right, this is uh, one of my favourite parts of the show. It always is, actually. I love hearing from people. We get some tremendous emails in. And uh, this week is uh, no exception. And the first one befalls, of course, to the great, the greatest voiceover artiste of our age, <laughs> Mr Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> this is from uh, Alex Woodhams. Hello, Alex. Hey, guys, was at the bridge yesterday. Great to be back in there after living away for so long. 24 hours on, I still can't contain my frustration with Captain Dave. He's been poor for so long now, still severely lacking leadership skills, as well as the sharpness that used to characterise his game, as we have indeed been discussing. He gave the ball away no less than 20 times yesterday, three times more than any other player. Amazing when you consider Barkley started the game. So, Chidge, there are other people <laughs> noticing Barkley as well. Yeah, I really yeah. can't wait for us to have a decent <coughs> alternative to replace him. My question is, who would you choose as your alternative captain? Personally, my choice would be Jorginho. He came around the ground at the final whistle yesterday. I thought it showed a touch of class to stand in front of an extremely disgruntled fan base after the game yesterday. Dave walked straight down the tunnel. In fact, that's a, a cheers, Woody. That's rare for Dave, isn't it? Because Dave normally is the last to get off the pitch um, uh, absolutely regularly. He normally is. So he clearly isn't happy with the way things are. And that's well, maybe, uh, maybe he's frustrated with yeah. his own performance. Yeah, yeah. But then why would that force him off the pitch early? Ashamed? Um, mm, possibly. Very angry, you know. Angry, yeah. Exactly. As, as Clayton said, maybe he's ashamed of his own import. I mean, you know, we've all done it. I mean, yeah. look, we were talking about it off air a minute ago when I stormed off at the cricket because Ben Stokes played an awful shot and pissed me off and I went and hid in the bar for the rest of the yeah. day. So, you know, we all we all suffer from that. I mean, um, JK, sorry, go on, Clayton. No, I was just going to say, the one alternative to, to Cesar at left, uh, right back is, is Rudiger. Rudiger plays for Germany there. So... You know, he could play it right back. Um, Tamori, you've got in the middle, and obviously Christensen and or Zuma. So that, you know, until Reese James is fit or, you know, even even after Reese James is fit, there are there is another alternative at right That's back if we're going to give Labour a rest. That's very good because you're right. He does indeed play right back for Germany. Yes. Very good. What about what about captaincy though? Adam, Ad, sorry, Alex says says Jorginho. J.K. Would you be a fan of that? I don't know what his status is in the dressing room, but um, if he's got and he, what his English is like, because uh, if he's not, if he can't communicate with everybody, it's not a great thing to have. Um, I think a punch often often kind of overrides any language difficulties. Do you reckon? Oh, okay. Yeah. I must remember punch, that. Punch them. You know, <laughs> just get a punching stick and punch them if they don't understand you. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm really warming to Jorginho, as I said earlier on, but I'm, I'm not sure he's really quite ready to be Chelsea captain. You know, you need, you know, maybe, I mean, you could, you could say the same thing about Rudiger because they've, they've both not been there for that long. I've, I've long, I have long said, and, and uh, people who listen to this show will know this, uh, but I've long advocated for Rudiger to be captain. I mean, call me old-fashioned, I am, but I like somebody who's a bit blood and thunder, and I've loved uh, Rudiger's attitude when he plays in a Chelsea shirt. He gets into people, he shakes his fist, and he, you know, it, it, he means it, you know, and I like that. I like a leader like that. He's clearly and obviously a leader. Uh, Mark, what is it Marco used to call him? The, the panzer, you know, so... I, I'm, I would be well up for Rudiger to be uh, the captain. He also, I mean, I know he plays right back. He obviously he plays central defence for us most of the time. I think that's important. That I quite like to have a central defender as the captain. I think, that, you know, they see the game in front of them. You know, they can kick people up the arse literally. I, I would, 
I would be very sorry for Dave because I think he clearly has qualities that we perhaps don't see on the pitch, but we sorry that we don't see off the pitch that that make him a very good captain. As Jonathan or Clayton said earlier on, he's been a captain for three managers, so he must have something. But for me, Rudiger is a natural leader, and I and I would be in favour of that. As for Jorginho, you know, there's some really positive comments coming on here. Um, you know, Mark says Jorginho is a leader on the pitch. I agree with that, but it doesn't mean he has to be captain. I think that uh, that Rudiger has a bit more oomph about him than Jorginho. Dean Mears says uh, he sat in the vice-captain position in all the team photos. Well, that's great. I think, you know, you need a lot of leaders, Clayton, don't you? Remember when we had Frank, Didier Drogba, Ashley Cole, John Terry, Michael, Michael Ballack, Ballack yeah. Cech, all in the same seat. They were all capable of being captains, They, they were also they? all captains of their national teams as well. Yep. All leaders, yeah. So you no, can't I, have enough. I quite. I, I mean, I, I, I'd give Rudiger a go. Mm, definitely. Um, Alan Mays, or I saw Alan Mays score, who, of course, uh, gave me a wonderful T-shirt that you might have seen on Love Sport a while ago, um, said Dave did not just walk off the pitch. He clapped us where I was. So uh, that's interesting. I, I couldn't see from where I sit, uh, mate, so uh, forgive me for that. But Jonathan, he says he, he was. He did, he did clap. That's his norm. That's his, what he normally Yeah, does. I'd have thought so. I, 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 with that, is that all we have to say about that? So I can put that one to bed? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, Alex. Great question. By the way, I'm, I'm well up for this. I love the emails uh, of you lot telling us how you supported Chelsea and all that. Everybody loves hearing that. But I also love ones like the one from Alex who asks us a question because then we can all get involved and have a chat about it, which is kind of the point, really. Um, is it? Well, I've got the next one, haven't I? This yeah. is a huge one, yes. Well, the reason I've got this is because it's from Bryce Winchester, who's from Sydney in Australia, and of course I live in Winchester, so it just tickled me to, to read that. He says, Hello, Chid, JK, and the rest of the Fancast family. I'm a relatively new fan of the show, hailing from the opposite side of the world in Sydney, Australia. As a new listener from last season and first-time emailer, I thought I would give an introduction to myself and my connection to Chelsea. I was born in Australia, but half my family is very English, which can easily be noticed by my last name, Winchester. Absolutely. Uh, I've played football since the age of six, and for my sixth birthday in 2001, my uncle, who was living in London at the time, sent me my first Chelsea shirt with the new Chelsea player's name, Lampard number 8, on the back. My uncle told me the conditions to wearing that shirt meant I must always be a Chelsea fan, and I can never refer to football as soccer, as we tend to do in Australia good man uh, from that moment on i kept my word and i've been a chelsea fan for the following 18 years it's been an amazing experience to support the club and i feel extremely lucky to have been a supporter in the most successful period of the club's history obviously being a chelsea supporter in a different country during the abramovich era has caused a lot of people to flag me as a glory hunter but my answer to them is would a glory hunter pay for membership of the club or be awake at 3 a.m to watch chelsea play for every game of the 15-16 season no they wouldn't as a foreign fan it can be hard to support the club and get the same level of experience that the local fans have but i've had some amazing experiences as a chelsea fan the obvious memories that come to mind is watching the final in Munich or seeing Frank score the winning goals at Bolton in 2005. But I think my favourite moment as a fan came from a slightly less glorious moment in Chelsea's history. See, that would make you a proper Chelsea fan, my friend. Anyway, in my first year of university in 2014, a group of people went to a sports pub in Sydney to watch the Chelsea-Liverpool match, which would later become infamous for the Slippy G moment. 
Australia has a lot of Liverpool fans. I'm afraid they get everywhere, Bryce. There's nothing we can do about that. Uh, And as they were adamant that they were winning the league that night, the pub was packed with Liverpool supporters. I had the most enjoyable time that night with two other Chelsea fans being the loudest people in the pub the moment that Denver Bar made history. For the rest of the night, we faced a torrent of abysmal banter from the Liverpool supporters whose imagination stretched only far enough to tell us we have no history or history, as they like to say. To them, I say 16 trophies in 16 years sounds like quite a bit of history to me, and Chelsea also did exist before 2003. Uh, Being born after the Premier League existed, I never got to see some of the great Chelsea players of the past play, which is why it's been great to discover the fan cast. Yes, because we're all old gits, Bryce, and we talk about nothing else, I know. Uh, Anyway, he says, discover the fan cast and hear about all your memories and get the insight from players of that time like Kerry. It especially amazes me to hear all the things J.K. remembers about Chelsea. Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I paused there because I know what J.K.'s memory's like. Anyway, and I hope to one day be able to have a similar catalogue of memories to call upon. I called Martin fact, actually, Brianstein on Friday. You did, but I, I have to retract that rather rude jibe and say one of the things I like most about having J.K. on the show, and there are many, many reasons, but one of the things I like most is the fact that Jonathan's been watching since the very, very early 60s, to have that knowledge bank of watching the club that I love on the show with me, uh, you know, and I started going kind of in the 80s, and I was so drunk I don't remember any of the bloody matches. So it's brilliant having him on. Clayton too. I mean, Clayton, you, you started in 67, didn't you? That was my first game, yep. Yeah, so there you go. That's what I like. Uh so there we go. Where was I? I completely lost my place. Uh, yes, okay. I just I discovered the fan cast halfway through last season, and it's quickly become a staple of my week. Growing up with Lampard as the first Chelsea player I knew, I feel I have now come full circle, seeing him managing on the touchline, and I'm really excited about the season to come. Finally, to end this email and stop my rambling, I would like to add my thoughts to one of the contentious topics at the moment, social media. Boo! As someone who does not have as much access to -to face-to-face conversations with other Chelsea fans, I think social media can be a great place for it. I enjoy exploring social media platforms to find Chelsea forums to see other people's opinions on the club and football in general, but I've quickly learned to take every comment with a grain of salt and not be triggered by a random internet troll's comments. The world we live in now is full of uneducated people who will believe anything they read on the internet and fall into the trap of listening and parroting the opinions of keyboard warriors who hide behind anonymity. This issue of no repercussions for what you say on social media is what causes people to say these horrible things like the recent abuse towards Tammy and the platforms need to show some responsibility for this. Anyway, the email quickly became ridiculous in length so i understand if you don't have time to read it out keep up the amazing work you will do keep the blue flag flying high your avid listener bryce winchester um brilliant email bryce thank you so much uh i'm glad you touched on the social media thing because we didn't we kind of touched on it in a different way I, I don't know how you two feel but uh, clayton I, I i i we did talk about this i'm sure on another show a, a while back but I think this is part of the problem we were talking about earlier on about the kind of really weird conspiratorial sense that a lot of social media is bots uh, used by, you know, political organisations to sow division. Uh, I mean, the whole, you know, Trump stuff, Russia is well known, but also betting companies too. But I, 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 it, it does, I mean, you know, there, you can understand, can't you? Because I, I, I hand on heart. I mean, I know that Chelsea, like every club, you know, you stick forty thousand people in a stadium, you're going to get a few races. It's a fact of life, sad but true, and a fact of life. But hand on heart, 
you know, most of the people inside of that ground are not racist and would never, ever dream of saying the kind of things to Tammy Abraham or Kurt Zima that you have seen on social media. And and the sad truth is, is that, you know, a lot of these people do, in, in, in from, in from, anecdotally, I know, and I'm sure not exclusively, but a lot of them seem to be overseas where maybe things are a little bit different. And I think that's what makes it so hard to police Twitter, Clayton. Uh, well... It's impossible, as it's proving to be, but until the actual social media companies start kicking these people off, um, it's just going to carry on, sadly. Um, I know that I think uh, there was one person prosecuted after Tammy missed the penalty and was, was abused on social media, but there were hundreds of people that actually did it. I, I, as I said to you earlier, I mean, it used to be an absolute joy going on to Twitter and just a lot of fun. I'm now, I'm, I'm posting less and less. Um, I got horribly abused for a tweet I made a couple of weeks ago. You know, and obviously I just block people because I don't know why people just don't do that more often. I, I'm sort of, I have a certain amount of admiration for a lot of people who engage with these morons. Um I just don't bother. I can't see the point. If if somebody's doing it because they they honestly believe those things, and that's not somebody I want to be discussing with. If somebody's doing it because they're a wind up, then you know I don't want to be involved with them. I ju- I just block them. I just I just don't go down that route. It's just not worth it. Mm. Yeah. Jonathan, I'm the same. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm I, I, I'm on the kind of the uh, the uh, the edges really, and try and find the humour that you can get out of it. And uh, um, if I find myself wandering into any kind of contention, I'm not interested, I'm afraid. I know he's in here, but I, I had a bit of a direct message thing with Vin, Vinod uh, Ayer, uh, earlier in the week. If he's in, can you let... Because I'd like to read it out, or certainly an abbreviated version of it, if you allow me to. But as you sent it to me privately, I'm conscious of the fact that you might not want this public. But... Uh, do let me know because I think you made an excellent point. But uh, um, the bottom line is, is that as I said, I think you know you you would have to be stupid beyond belief, and I know that there are a lot of people who are stupid beyond belief. Um, but you would have to be stupid beyond belief to be a season ticket holder and abuse uh, racially abuse a player through Twitter because you can be found, and if you're found, you will not only lose your season ticket, you will be prosecuted. And that's kind of what makes me think that very few, if any you know people who go week in week out are doing this because there's just too much jeopardy whereas if you're you know or wherever it's a very different thing i I mean personally i think that uh, the only way to stop this is for you know you have to present your passport to twitter in order to get an account i mean here's the thing chaps when i did a bit of a stupid screw up on twitter and i tried to put the this is quite i've told this before i'm sure but i tried to put the fan card's birthday into twitter which I did. And, of course, what I didn't realise, of course, by making... Because we're 11 years old. So that made me a... Yeah. So that made me a minor. At which point, it was like being in some film where everything was locked down and all the doors were shut and bolted behind me. And it was like, your Twitter account is suspended. And the only way I could get the Chelsea Fancast Twitter account back, I had to email them my bloody passport details. So I could prove that I was who I said I was. So we know that they can do it. So, you know, that's how they should do it. We should basically, if you want a Twitter account, you've got to show them your passport. And then there's some accountability. 
you know, because too many people, as we all know, hide behind anonymity, and that leads to the kind of problems that we've got. But there you go. I haven't heard from Vin, so I will give it a swerve. All I will say is that his point was generally he thinks that we give it too much credence on this show. Perhaps we do talk about it too much. The bottom line is we're all in agreement. We 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 take it and we leave it. We don't get involved in the stupidity of it. But it has its role and it has its supports. I mean, we wouldn't know a lot of you lot if it wasn't for Twitter, so it's not all bad. Anyway, uh, JK, your turn. Just to add, uh, add a, an addendum to that, there are some very good accounts who give some very good information about uh, yeah. tactics, the way the club is being run, or even have an interesting take on something that isn't abusive and uh, and is is really worth following. There is the odd person on, on Twitter who it enhances my my footballing experience. Um, so if you can find them, I always think that's the thing to look at. So and, and unfortunately, some of them are then infiltrated by idiocy and racism. And you just have to accept that, as, as you say, uh, Clayton, I block them or mute them or just uh, make sure that they don't then uh, appear again on my timeline, you know. So, anyway. Yep. Bang on, mate. Bang on. Email three, Lloyd Torrey. First of all, not first of all, but up, great podcast. However, I have a big issue with some of the comments regarding the use of VAR. While I fully understand people's fears about changing the game we all love, VAR, like zonal marking, is an issue that needs to be considered as carefully and unemotionally as possible before jumping to any sweeping conclusions about it. Taking the recent Chelsea versus Norwich game as an example, VAR did not slow the game down significantly, as one of the emailers to last week's show feared it would. The game was very fast and free-flowing. The one significant VAR-related stoppage was over the disallowed goal, was relatively short, and was just poorly handled by an apparently confused Martin Atkinson. Number two, had VAR not been in use for that game, the only difference would be that we would have been awarded the goal that most refs would have given us a foul if they'd seen it clearly. The problem, therefore, is not that VAR ruined the game, as it actually had very little effect on it at all. The problem is VAR was not used properly during it, and so failed to pick up a series of clearly wrong decisions that could have unfairly changed the outcome of the game, i.e., <sighs> I <laughs> sorry. Did you just yawn then, Clayton? <laughs> um, no, I didn't. I, 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 yes, I did. Oh, it's been a very long day. I do apologise. What I love. I thought you were. I thought you were registering a protest at VAR. No, I mate. wasn't. I wasn't. And the email is actually very interesting. Very interesting. I've been up very. I've been up a long time. I might have to. Uh, okay. in a timed it beautifully so that I got to the word game and then just you started the yawn you finished you started it and finished it and then I attempted to carry on anyway I'll go back to the paragraph and the problem therefore is not that VAR ruined the game as it actually had very little effect on it at all the problem is VAR was not used properly during it and so failed to pick up a series of clearly wrong decisions that could have unfairly changed the outcome of the game i.e. the Abraham foul in the build-up to the first Norwich goal the Dave penalty and the stamp on Mount. 
As the always excellent Alex Churchill explained, the key reason why this happened is not because VAR didn't see them, but that the VAR official is not currently checking to see if a specific incident is a foul or not, but instead whether the match day referee made a big enough mistake to warrant a change of decision. This is, a, this is an extremely important difference and has clearly and needlessly been done to protect the matchday ref and reinforce his authority. But is at the root of what is going wrong here, along with the phase of play nonsense that Alex Churchill also highlighted. Actually, um, Lloyd, I, I highlighted that. Anyway, which was why they ignored the foul on Tammy in the build-up to the first Norwich goal. And we then debated that. Anyway, the core problem here is that the match day ref cannot ever see all the angles that VAR does or get a replay. They may think they've seen an incident clearly, but they may well not have. We all have had that experience when watching the game live and seeing the replay on TV later. The solution, however, is simple. Ditch the current illogical approach and simply have the VAR official checking play and objectively reporting any significant wrong decisions ASAP, e.g. foul on Chelsea number 28 in penalty area. A criteria for what counts as significant would not be hard to determine, e.g. penalties, fouls or offsides that led to goals, potential red card offences. I personally think the matchday ref should also be told to generally defer to VAR in such circumstances as they do with offsides. For the reason previously given, I can never be sure they've seen an incident as clearly as VAR will. If this approach had been adopted, it's very likely the key wrong decisions in the Norwich game would have been corrected and we would be talking about how good VAR is and would have won 4-1. If you don't want VAR, therefore, you're basically saying you're happy to have matchday officials make mistakes that could be corrected by technology. Even competent refs, if there are any, will sometimes make mistakes due to their limited field of vision and the fact assistant referees appear to do very little to help them anymore. They do nothing. No rational supporter of a team would want this as it's sure to bite your team in the backside at some point during the season. If you disagree and still think VAR is a bad idea, imagine proper use of VAR in our infamous 2009 Champions League semi-final versus Barcelona. Instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, therefore, pressure needs to be put on the FA to change the way VAR is being used as quickly as possible before more fans are unfairly turned against it and a genuine chance to improve the way the game is officiated is lost. Keep up the good work, Lloyd. Now, that is excellent, Lloyd. And I think, actually, we did debate a lot of this and with that, we'll put a lot of that forward because you're saying exactly what I agree with. And what was interesting this weekend was how they went ex absolutely the opposite way and gave nothing. They actually they, they went back into the little boys club, the refs, and decided that they would sulk and actually not give anything at all. And, and the referee, whatever the referee did, was correct. And they were saying that the reason was that it was... Um, what was it? Because it wasn't clear and obvious. And the reality, of course, is there were foul after foul was ignored because they're not using it in the way you suggest, which is exactly right, which is to have it objective and saying you missed the foul. 
But what they don't want happening is them looking as if they're idiots. But the thing to remember is they're all idiots anyway. So it, it wouldn't it, it doesn't really matter. They're all past it. Atkinson, who was on again at the weekend in the uh, the derby, is just misses everything. He's clearly, as you say, the, the linesmen have absolutely no role to play at all anymore, which is absolutely bizarre. They, they won't flag at all. They're either scared or the referees have said, don't make any decision. VAR will make the decision and they're not going to. So consequently, we had a whole variety of terrible fouls just absolutely ignored by um, by both the referee, well, he obviously missed it, as you say, because the field of vision. But the linesman didn't see it because they're not—they're scared to do so. And VAR ignored it as well, including that one horrendous tackle. What what game was it, Chidge? We, in the Bournemouth game, where the poor guy had to go off afterwards, and it was also obviously a sending off offence. Nothing happened because they obviously decided. Well, they decided they didn't want to give any decision. So they've—it's—it's it's got to a very bizarre stage. This whole thing. And uh, I, I don't see a way out of it. I don't know what they're going to do because I think now they're hardly going to make uh, give VAR any opportunity to, to do anything now. Because having said that, they're all mates. You know, they're, they're... I, I just just to, to sort of finish off on that. I mean, Atkinson yesterday, he gave the penalty for uh, Spurs, and Jacker made the most atrocious over-the-top tackle to give the penalty away, yeah, and he didn't yeah. even book him. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's an absolute. It's a, it's an absolute shamble. It is. Shower. It's a shower. It's a shower. It, it's, you you have to you have to leave us now, don't I you, do. Clayton? I have a yeah. I have a, you, a very um angry other half with a rolling pin. I've met your lovely wife. Class. There's no there's no way she would threaten you the rolling <laughs> pin. But please please send her both my love and my apologies. I've uh, enjoyed and, uh, it and thank you. Very sorry much we've for waffled on too on. long. Well, All right. No no. Take care. See you soon, Bye-bye. mate. You take care. Um. J- JK, I-, I think that's a brilliant email, actually, and I think they were saying much the same on Sunday Supplement. And the point is, is that, you know, here's the thing, right? I- in principle, I don't have anything against VAR providing... I mean, because I-, I love cricket. The DRS system works perfectly well Absolutely. in cricket. Absolutely. You get the right decisions made all of the time, well, 99% of the time, and the crowd absolutely know what's going on. The crowd, the people who are there, we know what's going on as much as you do on TV. Uh, the same you can be said with rugby and the TMO. It's it, you know you get the right decisions being made, and the crowd know because the bloody referee is mic'd up in the rugby. Everybody knows yeah. this is what the problem is with football. That this is what they need to address. They need to have consistency of decision making. They need to get the right decisions made and the wrong decisions corrected. And the fans that are there in the ground need to know what's going on. Get your fingers out of your arrogant fucking asses yeah, and sort it out. Yeah, complete arrogance. But also, I think they need to take responsibility for it. The referees exactly by by even by becoming media personalities wouldn't be a problem they'd love it it would they completely embrace that they love being a celebrity they'd love it so why don't steady they do on it? mate they should do it all right let's move on because uh you know we because we've waffled on for so long jk right uh this is from jack vassal brilliant email this good evening chidge and the gang my name is jack I'm 23, and I've been a Chelsea supporter from across the pond since 2012. I'm a huge fan of the show. It helps me get the local perspective on the club, and it helps me to feel a part of the Chelsea culture. The analysis and opinion... Analysis? Do we have analysis on this show, JK? I, 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 I think we should stop that right away. Uh, anyway, the, the analysis and the opinions are great too, especially because here in the US, a lot of the football news is just headline grabbers and finger-pointing. It's nice to hear some more realistic views for a change, 
Being from the USA, I can read up as much as I want about my favourite team, but I feel like that does not give me, uh, does not give someone the true supporters experience. That's why you long-time local supporters doing this show helps me out so much. Here, bloody here. Uh, I finally made the decision to come out here to London to see my favourite team play. I'll be living here for the next few months as I continue my studies at the university's programme here in London, and I'm so excited to be close to the Chelsea action. I'm going to my first match this Saturday against Sheffield United. I couldn't be more excited. I grew up in a family that knew nothing of European football. Sorry, he, you did say soccer, Jack, but I've corrected that. Uh, I played at the youth level, but then moved on to other things when I was about 9 or 10, and quickly forgot about the sport. Around the time I was 12, my friends and I began to play FIFA for Xbox and I began to have a curiosity about a sport that I knew, knew so little about. This curiosity that started from a video game turned into a full-fledged obsession. I began to follow Chelsea for a few reasons. At the time, it seemed like the stars aligned. One of my close friend's fathers is from West London and is a big Chelsea supporter. This is what first sparked my interest. He talked about this team and players that I knew nothing about. Drogba, Terry, Lampard... His son would always have banter with some kids at school who claimed to be Man United supporters. This was followed by me discovering what a beast of a goalkeeper Petr Cech was at the time. My friends and I gave him the nickname The Tank because of his helmet and shot-stopping ability in FIFA, of all things. These two things sparked my interest in the club, so I decided to venture out of the world of video games into watching a real soccer match. The first match I decided to watch... Bayern versus Chelsea in the infamous Munich final. Blimey, what a start. What I saw from Chelsea was a team who had winning ingrained in their character. Later that summer, Chelsea came to my hometown of Seattle in Washington State to play the Seattle Sounders in one of Hazard's first games for the Blues, and I was hooked. Somehow, between all of those things, I began, uh, began to become attached to the team that plays their home matches on the other side of the world, and now I have my chance to watch them play live. Fantastic. Uh, thanks for enjoying my rant. There's plenty more to it, especially involving my love for Eden Hazard, who basically began with the club when I began to be a Chelsea supporter, but I will spare everyone for now. Any suggestions on how to get the best experience out of my first match and these next few months living over here in London? Come to the PS, oh, I know. Well, this is the most exciting I've been... I've been for a Chelsea season probably ever, with Lampard as the manager, lots of youth and young talent entering the first team, an American playing for the team I love, and the opportunity I have to be here and experience it firsthand. It could not get any better. Well, indeed. I Well, well, fantastic, Jack, that uh, you love the show and you love Chelsea and that you're over here. I did actually email him back, JK, and said, mate, come to the cock on Saturday and we'll, we'll see you and we'll have a pint. Uh, but he said he, he was going to be whizzing around, so he might not have the chance, but he's logged that away for future reference. But he, but that's the point, Jack. The best thing to do, get into the pubs, come and meet us, go go to the CFC UK stall, buy a fanzine, soak it all up. Pre-match, post-match, that's what it's all about. And occasionally the football's wonderful and you'll enjoy that too. But uh, um, I, I, I don't know how you're getting tickets, but presumably you are. But you know where I am. Keep in touch with me and we'll sort you out and uh, we'll have a pint with you. How about that, J.K.? You get, get the fanzine from uh, halfway down the uh, the New Kings Road there, um, the Fulham Road there. What am I saying? Halfway down the Fulham Road, um, near the uh, entrance to the uh, to the yeah. West Stand. Opposite. Somebody's on well, the bottom. Uh, yeah, or opposite or, Fulham. The stall, the stall the itself stall is itself. opposite Fulham. Opposite Fulham Broadway Tube. So yeah, just if he misses the stall, which is easily done actually, because you just come out and you get lured by the ground and you turn left without going right there to Marco's stall. So. Anyway, very good. Great, uh, great, um, great mail, Jack. And uh, may you have many years of joy supporting the team. So uh, good stuff. Uh, email five, Greg Donay. 
Hi, from Australia. Sorry, that was horrible. Hi, from Australia. I've just discovered your podcast. Oh, it's fantastic. Thank you very much. Real people with real opinions. I don't know. I'm a bit uh, dodgy. I'm a bit fake. I was in London. Saw us play Watford at the bridge, which was a thrill. My son is living in Fulham, so it's a good excuse to come again. Keep up the great work. Many thanks. Greg Drone. It's got Greg Drone down here, Chief. Oh, then it's me, me with my typo. Greg Drone. I'm a, I apologise, Greg, for calling you Drone, but uh, well done, Greg. See, that's what I call a perfect email, mate. It's short, it's to the point, and it's very nice about us. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And what more could you possibly want? And we're both real, Chief, which I like. We are, we are, and I, I admitted to tell everybody who the uh, email of the week was from. And the email of the week, no surprise, was from Lloyd Torrey because his his analysis of VAR was absolutely superb, I think. So well done, you. Uh, right, thank you, as ever, for all the brilliant emails and for JK for reading them out. Uh, we love getting them from you. We will always do our best to read them out. It's what we do. Uh, and if you want to have that happen, then you just have to email us uh, at chelseafancast at gmail.com. Make sure you get it in by Monday morning at the absolute latest. Uh, and uh, Dean Mears, of course, uh, has come up with an idea of getting them up on the uh, website as blogs. So um, I think, you know what? I mean, you know, y- you would only send them in if you've heard the show, I reckon. So if you send them in from now on, my presumption is going to be that you don't mind if we put them up on the website as a blog. OK, so if you don't want that to happen, uh, this is kind of like what the marketing companies do. It's like the opting in or the opting out, isn't it? One's active and one's not active. But you you need to tell me if you don't want me to put it up on the website. Otherwise, we will put it up on the website. Does that make sense? I hope so. And by the way, Dean Mears has said if you pop into the CFC UK stall, you need to buy a copy of his book, Cult Fiction, which I keep telling him he spelt wrong. Anyway, moving on. Fraction. Uh, should be fraction, shouldn't it? Exactly. It should be cult fraction. Everybody knows that. Uh, right. Uh, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for this week. We will be back next Monday at the usual time uh, when I'll be joined by Jonathan Kidd and Dan Silver. Good old Dan. We haven't spoken to Dan for ages. Uh, so uh, we will try desperately to find something to talk about while we endure the international break. I'm sure we'll come up with something. Um, in the meantime, don't forget to tune into the Chelsea Fancast on Love Sport Radio this Friday between 7 o'clock and 8pm. 7 till 8. Uh, Mark Worrell and myself and Matt Beadle are in the hot seat this Friday and we will be discussing, probably picking up on the uh, the Sheffield United game, probably picking a bit, a bit, bit more of the same, really. Sheffield United, a bit of the Champions League, possibly a little bit of a half-term report. We might throw in a legend of the week for good measure. Uh, I was threatening to do Vinnie Jones last week, but you ran out of... Uh, you, you, you didn't have enough time, did you? No. We no, didn't. No. It was nice to be. It was on the... Uh, Matt mentioned it was on the cards we were going to do him, but it didn't know uh, we, we'd run out. No, yeah. you, you waffled on. It was a good show. I heard it, actually. I, I heard it live in the garden. I was sitting in the garden. Oh, I was oh lovely. To yeah. Whilst I was having my dinner, Sarah thought it was hilarious that I was listening to it. She said, "But you're 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 supposed to be on that." I said, "Well, no, 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 not this week because that's why I'm here." But you're supposed to be on. No, no, no. I'm I'm here in the garden, but I'm listening to it because I like to listen to the boys and see what they're saying. So there you go. It was a good show. Well done, you lot. Uh, right, uh, you of course can take part as well, and you can phone in. Uh, you can join in the show and the debate with the boys, me, Marco, Matt Live. The number to call is 0208 70 558. You can also WhatsApp that number. And leave a message and your name, and uh, you'll get that read out. So do that. Take uh, take us up on that offer. It's great to get involved. Uh, Love Sport, of course, is a London radio station. It's broadcast on the London DAB networks. Uh, but you can also listen to it through Radio Player, TuneIn, or lovesportradio.com. And like this show, it's available as a podcast shortly afterwards 
uh, on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud and Spotify, as well as other inferior, no, no, other really good podcast distributors. And you can follow the show on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast, me at Stanford Cheers, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Clayton at Goalie59, and of course, check out the website, ChelseaFanCast.com. And many thanks to the bloggers who put up some great content during the week, who are at Nick Stroudley, at Clitheroe Blue, at Dean Mears, at CFC GWLB, a.k.a. Alex Churchill. And, of course, the other fancast regulars are at Gate17Marco, at DanSilv73, at Joe Tweedy, at CFC GWLB, at GrocerJackUK, Liam underscore Toomey, and OJ Harbord. Blimey. What a show tonight, JK. God, oh. two and a half hours nearly. Brilliant. Almost dead. Brilliant. Yeah, great fun. Everybody on good form. Lovely to hear from Clayton, of course. Yeah. Terrific. It's, always. It's, yeah, it's, always. Yeah, it's worked really well, as always. Well done. Yeah, loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, you lot out there, brilliant. Well done for hanging around, those of you that have done for the uh, final chapter of the show. Uh, we'll be back next week, as I said. Don't forget, love Sport on Friday. Uh, enjoy the international break. If you can, real football will resume in two weeks, but we will be here in the interim. Take care. Good night. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. Up the tube! Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.